Talk Recorded live. Hello, it's Mike Adams again, and uh, or Michael Adams, or whatever you want to call me. And so, what the truth? One man's journey to find it, and it is October the 24th, 2015. Um, so, I said I was going to start this. Uh, Arrows or euros, depending on how you pronounce it, and the magic. And magic in the Renaissance was, of course, the Saxon magic. Uh, such Gnostic stuff, I don't know if I've been ready to stomach it yet. <clears throat> and after my reading of uh, the actor, uh, I don't know. I can go back to a little bit of the Word of God for a little bit. Um, and uh, edifying others, they did. Uh, he did a uh, a good uh, video a while back on the Seventh Day Abomination. And I think we're going to try to do something that I haven't done before yet. And that's actually it's a, it's a video that um, uh, has a lot of it's just background music, a lot of it, and then um, a lot of uh, typed words, and so I'm going to read the typed words, and uh, I think that would be edifying in itself to do that. I mean, I know that a lot of folks are busy, don't have the time to follow a video like this, or the patience to, so maybe if I read this to the best of my ability, somebody will spend some time listening to it. Anyways, we'll do some research about this, and the connections with uh, James White and Alan White and um, the reality of Freemasonry and uh, William Miller. And uh, we'll start here. It's published in October of 2013, this video, where we keep having to re-upload this video since bogus copyright claims keep being filed against the the abomination or SD abomination. A abomination. Um, the mystery religions don't like the fact that this video blows open the devil's fraud of the SDA. The uh, Seventh Day of Abomination uses primary source photos, characterizations, proof to expose, refute James and Alan White along with other early leaders of the Seventh Day of the SDA movement as uh, duplicates evil masons they continued the founder of Adventism William Miller's Gnostic Lodge externalization of a false doctrine all this evidence reveals that Adventism evil and and time purpose in contributing to the fulfillment of the mystery Babylon prophesied in Revelations 17 and 18 and the long time Masonic agenda of trying to corrupt the pure gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> which he replaced the, the, the you know the old law there's a new covenant, and unfortunately, for Adventists and people like Walter B. are preaching the false 
False teeth. Makes you wonder about Walter Veef that he's just he's he's a pretty smart guy. I'm sure at some point he was either he's blinded by his belonging to the cult that he belongs to, which is Septa Adventism. And uh, there's other people that have been on my show who disagree that Septa Adventism is not a cult, but it clearly is. I mean, you have to be well, you just have to be ignorant of the facts, that's all. And uh, we all are ignorant of certain facts. So we will just discover this a little bit and uh, we'll talk about that maybe tomorrow night instead of me focusing so much on history and issues of this world of the past we will discuss once again what the pure gospel of Jesus Christ is. It seems like what happens in this journey of discovering the Jesuits Rome, this Gnostic agenda that we are all under, that we end up losing focus on the importance of truth so anyways we'll see what we go on with this as YouTube SDA is claiming uh, a quote scholarly and a quote article by Arlen Meyer is doubtful proof that SDA was not started by Masons yet the article does not address the factual Masonic usage of the hidden hand signs she admits in her article ignorance to, quote, explain neither the source of this curious hand formula nor the message that would have secured its success, end of quote. C.M. Gage, another Mason in SDA history, flaming hidden hand signs. We could look at that real fast and see what's, what that's about. That's uh, archives. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Loma Linda University. <laughs> Library. And I got the pictures there of this title, Mr. Gage, uh, Physical Right. Are retained in institution copyrights. White estate photography. Mm-hmm. We'll get a photo of Mr. Gage. So maybe what we'll do is we'll just copy that. If anybody shows up, probably not. <clears throat> but if they do, they'll have something to look at. If I can remember, me, we'll put it in the information box. If not, you can find it once again and uh, get the information provided um, the particular video. This video is given freely to all. It is illegal to sell copies of the Seventh-day Abomination. Please report any violations. Must read for former SDAs these books by Andrew Murray will lead you into the truth of walking in the Holy Spirit present as he glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Good books that will lay uh, the only foundation that is laid, which is Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. I don't know what just happened there. 
Well, whatever just happened there. Seemed to have jumped. Okay. Um, power of the Blood of Jesus. You can find that at worldinvisible.com library. A step to walking and abiding in Christ. Um, this is the website. You must have Holy Spirit filling. Uh, edifying others gives additional information and questions about the Jesuit, or excuse me, Jewish temple below. And it's irony of ironies, the, uh, not really ironies, ironies, uh, some of the Adventists have a role in all this as far as <clears throat> the third, the quote unquote third temple that the Gnostics, the Freemasons, and uh, etc., will want to want to be involved in. So. so what I'm going to do is try to read this. This is going to be kind of weird, and uh, but then again, my show is pretty weird anyway, so it takes a special type of person to follow me in the first place. Secrets I have, okay, in secret I have said nothing, King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> All right, we're going to start reading some of this stuff. The Seventh-day Adventist Abomination is a documentary research project based on the revelation by the Lord Jesus Christ to the founder of the to the founder of the ministry of edifying others. The revelation is, quote, the Masons will build the Third Temple. End of quote. No date. The prophecy fulfillment. The following documentary will trace and expose the truth on how Roman Catholicism, unification with fraternal orders such as Masonry and one of its dialectical antithesis, Seventh-day Adventism, facilitates the agenda to rebuild the Third Temple and usher in a one-world antichrist religion. And it certainly seems to be that way. As the Sabbatarian organizations like and some of the Adventists try to lead us back into legalism and the old law. And I see this over and over again with too many of my brothers. They think that they're right about this, but they haven't thought it through and they haven't really studied the New Testament. They realize just what Jesus Christ did for us. He freed us from all this legalism and bondage of religion. This is uh, from the Illustrations of Masonry by Captain William Morgan of 1827. Quote, Masonry gives rogues and evil-minded characters an opportunity of visiting upon their devoted victim all the ills attended attending combined power when exerted to accomplish destruction. It works unseen at all silent hours in secret times and places. And like the death when summoning his diseases pounces upon its devoted subject and lays him prostrate in the dust. Like the great enemy of man, it has shown its cloven foot and put the public upon its guard against its secret machinations. Now, machinations, 
and we look at the um, the Jesuits apply machinations constantly, and we know that the Jesuits are controlling Freemasonry. We know that the top Freemason in the world is the Black Pope. And we got the old yin and yang thing going on between the Black Pope and White Pope right now, two Freemasons and Jesuits. So we should be receiving more of the principles of the art of war being applied in our lives. Here's from A Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, page 532, PDF. Quote, The Knights Templars, whose history is so imperfectly known, were those ter- uh, terrible conspirators. The avowed object of the Templars was to protect the Christians who came to visit the holy places. Their secret object was the rebuilding of the Temple of Solomon on the model prophesied by Ezekiel. Um, The Templars, like all other secret orders and associations, had two doctrines, one concealed and reversed from the masters, which was Johannism, or the Medini, uh, let's choose them before I make this read this up. The Mandeans, uh, uh, so the Johannism of the Mandeans, a Mandean is an, a member of the ancient Gnostic sect, extent in in Iraq, the Aramaic language of the Medeans, sacred book, the origin of the Medeans. In this group. Uh, Iraq, and, uh, the chief depositors of these Mandean mysteries are the priests who enjoyed high degree of power and social regard. Um, and we could go a little further, the Mandeans. Let's go into this a little bit more. The member of the Gnostic Six surviving in Iraq and the Southwest Iran. Interesting that this is where we're at. <clears throat> Which is probably where the, the real reason why we're there. And then the day has nothing to do with the poppy fields or the, the oil or any of the other things. The, the, the bounty, the booty, that their uh, hordes, the nihilists, go out and uh, try to gather up, the truth is it looks like uh, changing of the guard, if you will, uh, a rearranging of the guard, more like. So anyways, John the Baptist, okay, so this uh, Gnostic sect surviving in Iraq and southwestern Iran who regarded John the Baptist as the Messiah, stressed salvation through knowledge of the divine origin of the soul, the religious language of the Median sect, a form of Aramaic. And we can go into detail about that one particular uh, topic if, if necessary someday. And I imagine someday it will be. But anyways, back to this uh, quote from Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, page 533 and 534, PDF. Um, so we got the Johannanism or the Mandeans, Mandeans, and the other public. So I'll just try this all again. So Templars, like all other sect or secret orders, Associations had two doctrines, one concealed and reserved for the masters, which was the Johannism or the Medeans, and the other public, which was Roman Catholic. 
Thus they deceived the adversaries whom they sought to supplant. See, so here's a fine example. Now we go again about this whole thing. And um, so we look at this first thing. We look at the, the Seventh-day Adventists and their uh, focus on yeah, and they teach us about the Jesuits, they teach us about Roman Catholicism and all this corruption, but they never get to the Johannism and the Mandeans Mandian, the, the and the master plan, the reserved for the masters of the secret society that's involved in all this. So that's what we're dealing with. So um, first off, so if these people were so inspired, how come they didn't figure this out? Tell you why, because as we go along, you realize that they're controlled by the Jesuits. Once again, Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, 534. The Templars sympathized with regrets for dethroned creeds and encouraged the hopes of new worships, and promising to all liberty of conscience and a new orthodoxy that should be the synthesis of all the perspectives. Persecuted creeds. So, and then they got this lady here. Roman Catholic religion adopted this agnostic religion of Mandeanism through the doctrine of the Knights of Malta and the Knights Templar. Sympathy for this, quote, persecuted creed, end of quote. So we're talking about the persecuted creed, we're talking about the Gnostic religion, the Mendeanism, something that you and I know nothing about, but this is what these people are all about. Fascinating discovery. Now there's this lady, Dr. Layla Alrooms. Rumi's a, a Sabian Mendeanism. Rumi. She's complaining because they don't have a priest and they don't have the baptismal font and they don't have all the the resources that they need to practice their religion in England. Once again, the Roman Catholic Knights of Malta's pardon saints Saint is, oh, excuse me, Knights of Malta's patron saint is John the Baptist. The same John the Baptist the Medeans claim as one of their chief prophets. Now they got, got Pope Benedict, uh, with the head of the Knights of Malta, and of course Knights of Malta, he's got the Freemasonic handshake going on, and he pissed, the, he pissed, he kissed, might as well pissed, but he kissed the, the hand of uh, uh, the Antichrist himself. And look in there, all dressed in their red and scarlet. So specific order uh, mission of the Knights of Malta is defending the faith and defending and helping the suffering. 
Now, who are the suffering? Are they the Medeans? Are they the themselves? Are they the faith that they believe in? Johannaism? Supposedly, it was founded the earliest, uh, one of the earliest uh, orders, military orders of the Roman Catholic Church, founded in 1038, supposedly in Jerusalem. Morals and Dogma, Albert, by Albert Pikes. Let's mute this. Um, page 534, once again. For emphasis added for clarification. Quote, uh, hence Freemasonry adopted the Saint, adopted Saint John the Evangelist as one of its patrons, associating with him in the order not to arouse the suspicion of Rome. Saint John the Baptist, and thus Rome, covertly proclaiming itself the child of the Kabbalah and the Essene. Essenism um, together. And while we're at it, let's just find out what Essenism is. Of course, we've heard about this before. Most people who have got to this point were with me. Um, Assassinism. Essenism. Essenism. Definition of Essenism. And let's see if I'm even pronouncing it right. Essenism is what it's called. Oh, even better. Essenism. Not even Essenism. A uh, member of the es- esoteric Jewish sect that existed in ancient Palestine from the 2nd century BC to the 1st century AD. Essenism. From Greek, Essenoi. From Aramaic, Hassan, uh, okay, Semitic roots, American heritage. Okay, um, let's see what else we got here. I don't want to go too very depth. You could always look into that because I don't get too sidetracked. You get heavily sidetracked in research, as we saw last night, heard last night. So, anyways, Freemasonry and St. John. Uh, the evangelist as one of its a patron associating with him the order not to arouse suspicion of Rome St. John and the Baptist and thus Rome covertly proclaiming itself the child of Kabbalah of the Kabbalah and Essenism together interesting interesting this is by the way this is from Albert Pike himself who clearly was uh, a Jesuit, along with being the head of um, the Scottish Rite Freemasonry in North America, and probably a few other nasty things along with that, and was quite adept, as they like to say. And we'll go on here. For the Johannism, or Medeism, of the adepts was the Kabbalah and the early Gnostics. uh, degenerating afterward into those heretical forms which Gnosticism developed. And so that even Mainz or Medesium had his followers among them. 
many uh, adopted his doctrines of the two principles, the recollection of which in perpetu- perpetuated by the uh, tessellated pavement or floor of the lodge. Hmm. Maybe we should look into mains. Maybe we should do that. We should look at the mains right now real fast. So we got to look at the sea. Ascendism. And let's go back. Let's look here. Um, the mains. So we have manism and mains. Who is mains? A Roman mythology deified soul, the dead of ancestors. That's not exactly what it means. Uh, Mains funeral homes. Oh, look at that. Uh, Mains define define gods of the lower world. A Roman religion, the soul of the dead. Mains, spirit of the citizens. Okay. I'm sure I'm not getting there. There's the Latin one in the Middle English. Um, Mains, Persian, Parisian prophet, founder of the Manichians. I'm going to figure that one out. So it's not Mains, it's Mainies. And then, oh my goodness, things we got to learn. Manich. Go there. Let's copy it. And let's figure out how to pronounce that now. Manich. Jaism. The major religion that was founded by Aryan prophet Mani. Manis. Oh my gosh. Now we're starting to see the rural connections of what the free of uh, Islam and Catholicism uh, is, is ridiculous. And let's we'll see if we can figure this out. <clears throat> At least how to pronounce it. Well, these words are just heck of a heck of a pronunciation. There we go. <sighs> Instead of assuming that we know what we're talking about, well. Uh, how to pronounce Mechanian? Mechanian? Mechanian. Manichaean. Manichaean. So it's the Manichaeanism. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, and I think that's the reason why they kept our. I got like me stupid and dumb for so long. <clears throat> so the Manichaeans. So the Manichaean. All right. So Johannanism or the the Manichaeanism, Manichaeanism, or Manichaeanism, the Mani, Mani, Man, Manis, these are all basically uh, prophets from Iraq. Now we're starting to get a region of Babylon, Babylon, aren't we? The Babylonian religion. 
For for moreover, the paternity or fraternal order's agenda is to dethrone and corrupt established Christian creeds, especially Protestant Reformed creed creeds, heavily established in, in early American Christianity. As Albert Pike would say, the Templars' agenda is to synthesize a new Gnostic orthodoxy of all persecuted creeds. So, well, a lot to think about already, huh? See, this is the stuff that uh, Walter Beef will not tell you about because he's blinded by his agenda in this sect that he belongs to. He belongs to the group, and he just said the truth. And old blind man, it doesn't matter who you are, no one's immune to it, no matter how brilliant you are. And he's a brilliant man. Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, page uh, 534 PDF. The Templar synthesized a new orthodoxy that should be synthesized of all the persecuted creeds, once again. And to emphasize the fact that this is what the whole goal is. With this Gnosticism. Okay, review and herald John Leth. Barrow, October 8, 1861. Quote, the first step of apostasy is to get up, get up a creed telling us what we shall believe. Second is to make that creed a test of fellowship. Third is to try members by that creed. Fourth, to denounce as heretics, those who do not believe that creed, and fifth, to commence persecution against such. Well, that's a very powerful statement, end quote. Maybe we should just read that one more time. The first step of apostasy is to get up a creed telling us what we shall believe. Second is to make that creed test of fellowship. Third is to try members by that creed. Fourth, is denounced as heretics those who do not believe that creed. And fifth, to commence persecution against such. Fascinating. For anybody who heard that, will hear this, what did you say? It's a review and herald by John uh, uh, Lothborough, October 8, 1861. And let's going to see what we can get from here. And I was just, just uh, be telling you what they're showing. They're showing images of the old temple, the new temple, the vision of the uh, Gnostics and the Freemasons. Freemasonry and etc. The Medians religion, uh, all this is you know the, the whole idea is rebuild Solomon's temple, not the, the rebuild the true. Well, of course, you want to do that in the first place. Now, would you? What an offense it would be to a true living God to build a, a third temple. But this temple will be for the world. Mm-hmm. Freemasonry is the incubation bed for cultic, occultic, and Gnostic ad- 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 
Christian theology. Let's get back here. You just you went way too fast for me there. He's got pictures, by the way, in the background of Ellen G. White and uh, Santa Ana Venice and several of them in their pre-Masonic poses. We will be discussing that, too. You got the Freemasons in their dream of creating their Solomon Temple. They have uh, uh, small-scale models of it. They have the one that they created in North Skin and um, Brazil. And it's a replica of what they the future, but the the real one uh, is going to look a lot different from that one. So, um, so where do we go from here? Okay, yeah, Freemasonry is is the incubation bed for cultic, occultic, and Gnostic aberrant Christian theology, facilitating the brotherhood of fallen sinful man under Antichrist. Can't argue that. And it's looking at the temple there, and it's got the wind, the winged sun god with the sunburst behind it, and the two pillars. Uh, the desire of the Gnostic mystery schools has long been to rob and destroy the preeminent, per, uh, preeminent found fundamental doctrine in the New Testament Bible of only begotten Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ. They attempt to facilitate this by infiltrating Christianity with new or old false doctrines. These false doctrines are used to synthesize one perennial Gnostic philosophy of religion, creating theological distortions with the end proposed of diluting the gospel into universal Gnostic self-salvation without eternal damnation. <laughs> That's pretty much what they're talking about. And we hear uh, the nonsense coming out of Pope Francis that even atheists can be saved. Uh, find a place in heaven. They certainly will. It's called hell. And um, we none of us have a choice in this matter except whether we're going to accept Jesus Christ and what he says in his teachings or not. That's it. And uh, only by the Spirit of God we even get to that point. Only by the mercy and grace of God we get to that point. Most of us will think that we'll be able to earn away, earn our salvation. Anyone who believes in Seventh-day Adventists don't believe that adhering to the uh, the uh, Saturnalian day, uh, observance of the Sabbath on the Saturnalia, uh, is delusional. I mean, it really is. This is a salvistic issue, flat out. I know this for a fact, and I know that they will not associate with you if you challenge them on it. One such planted distortion is Adventism, started by William Miller, the main focal point of the doctrine being emanated the the eschaton with a false second coming of Christ that produced the fruit of end times strong delusion. And let's figure out what this eschaton means so that I don't assume that I know what I'm even saying is right. Now that I'll be able to say it right again, I get the memory of a frickin' well, I, I can't even insult an amoeba, really. I don't even have that. Okay, um, it's funny why God chose me. It really is funny. Like I said, I've totally convinced just to condemn everyone else. He chose some stupid idiot like me to do it. 
<laughs> That's all I gotta say. Um, where we got here, eschaton, and eschaton, end of the world, end the time, climate of history, origin Greek problem for last. Okay, eschaton, like eschatology. <clears throat> oh boy, you learn a lot of stuff by just doing some research, stepping back and stuff. Just you know, reacting too much. So, anyways, this is uh, eschaton, the second coming of the Christ, producing a fruit of end times, strong delusion. Now, I don't know. Then a day like, um, and if I other says and a few others say, will God actually use the third temple and this whole thing was going on in the city of Israel? Who was William? Miller, his question mark. He got a face of his, his ugly mug. He was born in 1678 in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Pittsfield, Massachusetts. At the age of four, his family moved to Lowhampton, New York, where this house now stands. And it's a nice looking little Victorian type small house. Wouldn't mind living it myself. Uh, in 1803, Miller married Lucy Smith and moved to their nearby hometown of, of, of Pultney, Vermont. And him and his bow tie and her and her uh, Puritan-looking outfit. Uh, memoirs of William Miller by Sylvester Bliss. 1853, pages 21 through 22, quote, It was here in Pulteney, Vermont, that Mr. Miller became a member of the Masonic fraternity, for he advanced to the highest degree which the lodges then in the country or in the region could confer. Wow, he's big way, huh? He went all the way. Excuse me. Got folks marching there with the Freemasons in front of with the Free Masonic uh, logo and all that to do with the, of course, the compass and square. Uh, Memoirs of William Miller by Sylvester Bliss, once again, 1853, page 24. Quote, the man whom he associated from the time of his removal to Holtney and to whom he was considerably indebted for his worldly favors, huh, there you go, were deeply affected by the um, skeptical principle and deistical, the deistic uh, theories. It was deistic, you know. Um, and a quote, a new quote, they rejected the Bible as the standard of tr- religious truth and endeavored to make it rejection plausible by such aid as could be obtained from the writings of Voltaire, uh, Human, uh, Valini, uh, Payne, Ethan Allen, and others. And the quote, Mr. Miller studied these works closely and at length avowed himself a deist. And the quote. So here's a deist who started several of these sects and I'm sure that the Jesuits were right there, right behind him. 
leading them along, as they always do, working in the shadows and in the background. But we always like to blame either the Jesuits or the Freemasons, but this is a much more complicated situation than most of us care to admit. And it takes some time, and every time you think you got to figure it out, there's something new that happens. So I'm glad I never wrote a book. That's all i got to say. I would have to probably rewrite 90% of it by this point. Okay. Continuing from his autobiography, quote, the period of his deistical, de- deistical <laughs> life to have been 12 years, for he returned to Christian Baptist faith in 1816. Memoirs of William Miller by Sylvester Bliss, 1853, page 25. Uh, God's uh, strange work, William Miller, the End of the World by David L. Rowe, page 93. Quote, For 15 years after becoming a Baptist, he had remained a Mason, but in spring of 1831, he wrote a grudging letter of resignation from his local lodge. Of course, he was probably forced to do that in order for protect, you know, to promote the agenda perpetuate the agenda at hand. Uh, once again here, God's Strange World, William Miller and the End of the World. This uh, 2008 biography by David L. Rowe verifies William Miller's Mystery School Freemason Lodge indoctrination, although Miller would write later in 1831 to treat Freemasonry as they would any other evil. <clears throat> And we know that just as the Jesuits uh, hire adepts in Freemasonry, secret societies, once again, what makes them adept is their ability to lie. Uh, Even so, Masonic imagery continued to suffice, suffuse uh, Miller's writings. According to his memoirs, another dream very similar to his first inspired him to begin preaching. The interp- uh, he interpreted the dream as God's confirming his faith and course of action. Bliss, what a name, Blissfield, Bliss, 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 Bliss. Denied twice that dreams held any particular significance for Miller, although, and consequently, in consequential events, inconsequential events would remain, remind him of the details in the dream as though they had been pro portents of portents. All right, look at that guy. He got his old picture of him, the nice little painting of him doing the. Uh, as above, so below, with the uh, probably the Freemasonic Bible in his hand, uh, inspiring at some point the Schofield Bible. It is amazing how many Freemasons are in these sects, whether it's uh, Mormons, uh, Jehovah's Witness, Seventh-day Adventists, and if I forgot any other group, please forgive me. Besides Seventh-day Adventists. 
we're focusing on because I think it's very important as people find out about the biblical, historical, prophetic antichrist, they end up getting sucked up into this cult, and it is a cult, regardless of the fact that they do work. You see, this is, in, in if you start reading books from the 1800s, from the 1900s, uh, excuse me, the 19th century, or the you know 1800s, uh, and, and earlier, uh, nobody was in question about who was in charge. It's only as time went on, and you can see that uh, as as they systematically Romanists, the Papists, and the Jesuits took control of every aspect of this country, in that this was memory hold. It was blotted out to the people's memory to the point now where people are just focused. It's so dangerous at this point to think that just you figure the stuff out, a little bit of it, that you got to figure it out. You don't even got close to figure it out. The most important thing in all this message will be that it's abiding faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone. Nothing that you do will save you, and nothing that you do personally will truly. How do I say this? Let's put this: you can't save yourself, and this is the most good about works. So. Uh, only Jesus, Jesus Christ is uh, saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ, and that's it. And you know, Ten Commandments and all that, and that means nothing. Now, will they manifest in your behavior? Oh, I hate that phrase. I, I agree with you, but I don't know a better word yet. But, but will it show up in your behavior? Will it show up in your um, daily interactions with people? Well, yeah, things will change. But we live in a society where pretty much most of us, by the time we figure out any of the stuff, owe so much that we're, uh, you know, uh, do we steal? Yeah, we do. We, but whether we want to, do we lie? Yeah, we're full of lies. Um, do we truly love our neighbors ourselves? No. <laughs> do we truly love God with all our heart, mind, and, and soul? No. We just do the best we can because a lot of the the truth has been taken away. Anyways, the next thing we go is, with, for William Miller, quote, masonry seems to enlighten the midway, end of quote. This was the mode of a song Miller composed entitled, A Masonic Dream, end of quote. An allegory that, in the safety of dream, Mix surviving rationalism with the with biblical biblicalism. End quote. Quoting his song, quote, that wondrous art, a secret, had been kept so long. End quote. They said that Satan had a part in making a league so strong. End quote. When Morpheus closed my eyes to sleep. A form divine so bright did shine. You've got a picture of the Freemasons. They got the inverted star. The reason why we have those 50 stars and the reason why we're always inundated. My poor son. I love him to death. Oh my gosh, he wants to be Captain America and he's wearing that star on him. And What do you do? 
well, you just, you just someday I've explained to him that a star really doesn't represent the stars in the sky, but represents a fallen star. And <laughs> what deception it all is. There we go, looking at that wonderful-looking view of the star with the hexagram in the middle. Of it. Another reason why we have the pentagon is because of that um, pentagram that we have. Not the hexagram, pentagram. I said hexagram earlier, but I said pentagram. Again, another example of a pentag- pentagram in the back, or is that the hexagram? Well, they use both, don't they, somewhere or another. The primary symbol is the, for Freemasonry is the... Uh, pentagram. There we have the Pentagon. So, anyways, um, quote like Bunyan's pilgrim, Miller now followed his guide to a glorious temple where, reflecting Masonic ritual, he knelt at the west gate and received a name, donned the headband and apron, continuing the song. There implements being laid aside and vocal concert all combined. The heavens reverberating the song to the phrase of the anti-architect divine, end quote. I was thinking about this today, about uh, stuff like uh, Rush, man, all these great songs. Then you start listening. Once you start educating yourself, then you listen to the lyrics. You're like, oh my gosh, it's so gnostic. And of course, they have the pentagram and all the satanic and Luciferian imagery in their uh, album covers and etc. Uh, revealing to the adepts that they're one of them. Therefore, they were not only very talented, but uh, were raised up just like Tool, which is very discouraging. Concerning that uh, here my fellow quote unquote brothers in Christ playing tool. I just don't understand how you miss the re- the fact that <laughs> they're promoting Satanism and, and their lyrics and and um, Luciferianism. Truly uh, Freemasons and beyond. It's, Anyways, God's Strange Work, William Miller and the End of the World by David L. Rowe. Once again, 2008, pages 91 and 92. Quote, then the imagery shifts from Masonic to biblical reflecting Masonry claims to Moses as their founder. End quote. I am, I am now strengthening me with vigor to my course pursue. And when my rod a serpent see the leprous flesh appear as new. And it was both as a mason and a baptist that I could praise the architect divine. Very much for the sonic. The grand architect. So we have Looking at the imagery here, and of course, they got all the fake imagery of the universe and the planets and everything else. Uh, the graphic, the CGI's, and the graphic imageries of the artistry of today would blow away Michelangelo. Oh boy. Quoting from the same book, it was the scandalous murder of William Morgan who revealed the secrets of masonry 
in his tell-all books, illustrations, and masonry that played a pivotal part in pressuring William Miller to resign from his lodge, concealing his po- poetic love for masonry due to the public outcry of Morgan's death. At the same time here, folks, and definitely there was a time there's a political party, the anti-Freemasonic party. It's a shame that they didn't have an anti-Romanist or papist party. <clears throat> but against religious, religious, religious freedom, therefore, they were able to take over uh, the master of their plans. Okay, uh, William Morgan was Western New York Mason threatened to publish a book divulging secrets of the order. In 1826, he was arrested on fabricated charges and jailed in whatever this in Canada, Daigia, Canada, I don't know, the C A N A N D I G U A, Canada. Canada go you are? I don't know why that pronouncing it. My apologies. Um, also in this place, Owen Russell something something newspaper the day dawn would begin to print something Edison. I'm having a hard time because it's weird. Oh, maybe I can expand it. Maybe that's what I do. See what happens here. Forgot about doing that. Okay. Also, in Canada, Canada, Igua, some Canada, Igua, Owen Russell Lomas. Christers, uh, Christers newspaper that. Day dawn, and a quote, would have a print Hiram Edison's new revelation that later would uh, transform Ellen G. White's great controversy. Well, that's really promising now, isn't it? Uh, a band of men kidnapped him, and he was never seen again, although no body was ever found. The public assumed that Masons abducted and murdered him to prevent his publishing of the book. Fueled by the uh, antagonism to Masons' elite status and power, they seemed to wield over courts, legislators, and governors to prevent justice to Morgan. Anti-Masonic movement and political party organized to, quote, recapture, end quote, the government for the people. <laughs> I only had the je- Jesus behind all this, man. This is a masterful part of their plan in order to denigrate Freemasonry, as they should. And they're bad guys, but there's even worse guys that came in their place. There will be the Papists. There were also Freemasons. And there were things like the Knights of Columbus and uh, the Oh, I'm another group. Uh, something white knights. I can't remember now. Okay, let's see if we can read this one. At the same time, the evangelical increasingly found masonry 
to be competitive rather than uh, complementary, and they demanded exclusive fellowship and commitment from their church members. And the quote, formalists denounce Masonists as secular and atheist, while uh, anti-formal evangelical suspected them of seeking to and get out of the way somehow. Can we get you out of the way? Can I get you here? I wonder if that would, you know, see that helps. Uh, selecting to take the country backward to the British model. I imagine that would be because we find out that the, um, from the get-go, Scottish Rite Freemasonry, um, was part of the ruling elite and, and uh, even in the Protestants in England, so they have to deal with that. And of course, that was a tool also used to help. It was a helpful tool, one of the tools that uh, Popery and the Jesuits used to infiltrate and start to poison the purity of Protestantism at the get go. So it's always been, at, at, <laughs> it didn't take very long to start messing around. The Reformed Protestants' uh, creeds, if you will. Uh, Miller's Masonic connection could not have gone unnoticed. As a longtime Mason and one-time Grand Master, he found himself on the defensive in the church and in the community. In September of 1831, he wrote a grudging letter of resignation from the local lodge, not because he, because belonging to the Masons was wrong, but, quote, to conciliate, to conciliate the feelings of my brethren in Christ, end of quote. <clears throat> Once again, that is, I have no idea what just happened there. Let's see if we Oh, there it is. Um, let's get from God's Strange Work, William Miller and the End of the World by David L. Rowe, 2008, pages uh, 92 through 94. It's amazing how a few pages and a few paragraphs in each book you can end up putting the pieces together if you want. And I'm sure that somebody noticed that and helped either it was edifying others or somebody helped lead edifying others to these few pages. And I'm sure as if I, if I do continue the uh, the actor in that book, that we'll find some more gems. But when the first six, ten pages found that every character in the book was either a Jesuit, a Romanist, either Roman Catholic, or a... Um, at least, a, or a Presbyterian, much the same thing as being Catholic, and Freemason, so, which is all the ruling power elite structure that you need to know. And it looks like he's here. Wow, we're going to lose out on this one there. 
summary, William Miller resigned from his lodge in 1831 due to social pressures from the anti-Masonry political party movement. Two, William Miller would resign from his lodge to gain more public access, acceptance of his new prophecies that he began to develop in 1818 and would submit in 1823, still being a Mason. Number three, he began public lecturing of his, quote, new light and, quote, prophecies in 1831. Another fine example of why you should never listen to anybody who feels that they are a prophet. They're full of crap. The, the same year he rang, resigned from Freemasonry, quote, all cured SDA doctrines are leavened by the Gnostic education of Freemason. Uh, William Miller, Miller, duplicitous life of adhering to a Masonic ritual while developing the date-setting prophecies are a starting foundation of all Seventh-day Adventist doctrines, making it the doctrine and subsequent denominations heretical by Miller's sinful conduct as a Mason while developing his prophecies. And we're going to discover that Alan G. White uh, plagiarized some of this stuff. And it makes you wonder why all these big shots in the Seventh-day Adventists won't say anything. They'll talk about Rome and all that, but they won't talk about what the you know, the, the hidden religion behind it, the Medeans, the Medeanism. In fact, I'm sure that you've never even heard of it until tonight. It just as I myself. And it's really quite disturbing when you realize how few people are talking about the truth at all. I think at this point, we're so delusional, we're so much under the strong delusion that we have no idea. We are our forefathers and our have been lying to us over and over again for personal gain. And the praise of that William Miller's false prophecies would come to be known as the Great Disappointment in eighteen forty three. Later revised revisions would culminate in the setting date of October twenty two of 1844, and it's got this whole the statue of Daniel and all the imagery and animals and all that, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's always wrong. After the false prophecies of 1844, a man named Hiram Edison claimed to receive, quote, a new light, end of quote, in less than six months from October 22, 1844, he commissioned Owen Russell Loomis uh, Kreuzer to publish the new doctrine of investigative judgment in the local Daystar Extra newspaper in February 17, 1848. Edison, meanwhile, had sent copies of his new doctrines to as many addresses as he could gather. Store would, the story would would reach James White would be reached by James White. I imagine this was it. Of 
course, James wants to turn out to be uh, Ellen White's husband. And it looks an awful lot like a freaking... Like trying to mimic uh, Darwin. <laughs> These guys, just, the beard and everything else, and the bow tie and all that kind of stuff. Goofy, goofy beards back then. False prophecies, uh, prophecies Ellen G. White would later claim that her prophetic visions gave her the true interpretation of William Miller and company in 1843 and 1844 false prophecies. And it's got a picture of uh, uh, William Miller's and Joshua B. Himes and Joshua whatever his name, Litch. Uh, guys walking around in the the bow ties and uh, looking like a couple of arrogant Christians. Following segment would will document a subtle visual proof of the first family of Seventh Day Adventists were involved in the cult of Freemasonry. And this is true when you start learning about hand gestures and Freemasonry and how they were used. Um, and to say that they people were ignorant of it is ridiculous because everybody back then knew about Freemasonry. And they have the picture here, and then in the centerpiece you have uh, James White with the, um, uh, I was taken in Horn, Hornsville, New York camp meeting in 1888. He got his hand on her shoulder and the other hand in his pocket thing, and we'll learn about that along with her being submissive there and putting her hand over her hand on the way they looked. And they say, well, because of the fact that she was handicapped, but uh uh-uh. there are two Masonic authority authoritative guides that reveal James White's posture in the photograph. Uh, the first is the Richardson's moderate monitor of Freemasonry, and it's got the picture of the guy. It can either be the right hand or the left hand within the coat, and then the hand uh, extending out forward could be on the shoulder, which I'm totally convinced. Okay, and then the, here's the other one. The second is uh, Duncan's Masonic Ritual and Monitor. And uh, let's see, people, you always see those guys and father and son, like lawyers and all that, and they have the son and, and, the, uh, the, and uh, or vice versa, the father, depending on who it is, uh, in the back of the hand on the shoulder, doing something very similar. They've taken the... Uh, hand out of the coat type of thing, but they're still doing it. So you'll find that Freemasonry is pervasive in, in, in uh, law firms in particular. Well, not just particular, but even funerals, and et cetera, funeral homes. And the investigation into Masonic hidden hand sign uh, James White is revealing, according to Richardson's Monitor, a Freemasonry page 123 is called... <clears throat> Now you can watch this if you want, but this is the type of video that is necessary for you to do what I'm doing right now. Once in a while, there are videos that come out there that demand your attention. Most of them are passive, and you only learn, if you spend an hour or two, you learn about two or three nuggets of truth. If you wasted two hours that you probably could have read in two or three sentences. This, this hand on the shoulder thing, or hand in the the, uh, in, within the coat, uh, it's called the Knights of the Christian Mark, is what it's called. 
So you see these guys, the pictures with them, uh, or the pictures of uh, the founding fathers like George Washington, etc. I mean, it's called the Knights of the Christian Mark. Uh-huh. Wow. Freemasonry. Notice that the uh, diagram posture is left hand hidden inside the coat with the right hand extended out. And that's exactly what's going on in this particular photograph of James White. James White is doing the same with his left hand hidden inside his coat and the right hand extended out of it to Alan G. White's right Alan White's right shoulder. And that is the case. That was not a mistake. It was not some kind of photographic mistake in order to say, well, that was the way they did back then. You know what? If you really study the uh, Seventh-day Adventists, you're going to see that they're, so many of their prophecies are bogus. They're just abuse of scripture. What it is. Twice in the Knights of the Christ Christian Mark Masonic initiation ritual, it has been revealed in Elder David Burton's book, Light on Masonry that Pope Sylvester and Pope Alexander are both invoked. Really? How about that? And any questions now that Freemasonry is subservient to February? Any any questions? Well, I can just say one thing. It's not, it's, it is recording, right? What happened to my... This is recording too, right? Yeah. Where am I? A little... Oh, there it is. Anyways, we're going to go an hour and 16 minutes. And I'm only 17 minutes into this. Well, let's just keep going here because there's an extensive amount of information, isn't there? Okay, see page 168 and 70 of David Bernard's book, A Light on Masonry. About this pose and posture. The photo of Ellen G. White and her son, James Edison White, was taken in a special meeting group in Oakland School, Huntsville, Alabama, June 1904. Look at all those. Look at all that. We're going to zoom in here on the two. And they two know what they're doing. And they're doing their free Masonic symbols. Notice James Edison White's standing posture next to Ellen G. White, according to the next authoritative Masonic guide, Richardson's and Duncan's monitors. And he has his, once again, his palm inside his jacket. And that would be the right. And Ellen G. White is giving the Masonic, quote, hidden hand, end of quote, a sign called the Master of the Second Veil, end of quote. So that's, the, that's what she's doing is the Master of the Second Veil hand sign. 
Did I say Ellen? I meant to say James Edison White is giving the Masonic hidden sign called, sign called the Master of the Second Veil. Excuse me. And that's where he's got his hand inside his vestment, it looks like. Coat. And we got the old big nose, mustache, mustachio. We all, well, we all stink at both ends, don't we? And let's see what else we got here. Um, I'm going to look at Ellen G. White. Important fact to note is that this proof, proofs, these proofs also mean that Ellen G. White and her husband James were actively ministering camp meetings while they were consciously active members of Freemasonry. And of course they were, because they're the ones that helped create this false doctrine and this cult called Freemasonry. Anyone who says it's not, they haven't done their homework and they have to be really careful about what they're doing. They have to see the same thing happening over and over again. We just looked at James Edison White's uh, Masonic hand sign. Now let's Examine Ellen White's Masonic hand sign gestures in the same photo from 1904. This is a long time for her to repent of this stuff and change, but she ain't doing it. Heck no. According to the illustrations of the masonry by William Morgan in 1827, she is displaying the sign of a fellow craft, of a fellow craft, end of quote, example below. So the sign of the fellow craft, <clears throat> which, by the way, is the same thing as what we do when we put our hand over hearts in the uh, constitute. You know, not the constitute. Yeah, well, not the constitute. The, um, the pledge of allegiance to the flag. Oh, see, can you see by the socialist agnostic dark how the light to you all day long? Anyways, uh, in this historical photo of the SDA Battle Creek camp meeting taken sometime during the first decade of 1900s, we clearly... The 1900s, yeah. We clearly see. Dun, 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 dun. And you know what? It is absolute necessity. All these organizations and leadership in this country and all the, uh, the Roman Empire that you would be members of these secret societies. And show here another Mason leader in the camp of the Seventh day Adventists. He's got his palm in his jacket. And it's not because he's cold. And then we have two women posing the same way Ellen White is giving the sign of the fellow craft and the quote arm and hand sign. Now, the women, they usually have it below their breast, not on top of their breast, their hand. Okay, this is an important, this is a photo of a young Anne Bessette 
1891, the founder of Masonry for Women in America in 1903. She's giving the same left-handed version of the sign of the fellow craft, second degree hand sign. Oh, sweet, special. My favorite thing in all these people, well, you don't, you, you, uh, obviously, you, you don't have the spirit, they say. You don't have the spirit. You're being blinded. According to the book, Art and Architecture of Freemasonry by James Stevens Curl, the left hand is the symbol of equity, page 238. And she's doing that. She was. Got to do something after a while, right? Probably dead without good intentions, but blind and deceived like everybody else. Just easy, an easy dupe. Ellen White would display her second-degree left-hand Masonic sign to initiate the quote equal end quote of the first black. Leaders of the Oakland Educational Institute. She and her son Edison would boldly flash their allegiance to the satanic mystery religion of the snake cult Freemasonry. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> what is it? What does a snake do in the end? It strangles you to death and then eats you up, doesn't it? Suffocates you. Strangulates you. Legalism. Alan White would say concerning William Miller's quote, God suffered him to fall under the power of Satan, end quote, by not accepting the quote, third message, end quote. Earthly writings, page uh, 258. But who really was facilitating Satan's program? Let's go back here. I just, I just missed that. Oh. Oh. All right. We'll go here. I just... Oh, we've only got 20 minutes into it. Uh, okay. So, okay. Under the power of Satan, is accepting the third message, whatever that is. Angels and uh, uh, but who really was facilitating Satan's agents? Well, would probably be the Jesuits in Rome. This photo is showing Ellen White, along with Seventh-day Adventist leaders, author Hick, Hitchcock, Hitchcock, yeah, with an uh, X at the end, N.C. McClure, um, these are all guys doing their free miss. Oh, God, there's a whole bunch of them doing their free, free Masonic hand symbols, giggling away. Uh, John Norton Lothborough. Oh, yeah, there's that uh, Lothborough. And two Masons known as L.A. Scott. Oh, L.A. Scott. L.A. Marsu. And, and Derek. <clears throat> Well, it's a handsome group of men. Now, 
conducting the Freeman Mason. They would all be active members of the Satanic Fraternal Cult of Freemasonry. There she is, right with them. And would plainly declare an 1888 photo of a Reno, Nevada camp meeting their secret allegiance by displaying the master of the second veil and the quote hidden hand sign. Man, that woman got around. She even went to Australia, man. She went all over the place. Somebody had to fund all that stuff. Because she wasn't making anything. There is that symbol again. Master of the second veil, hidden hand sign. All the guys. Silly, silly billies. I wish I could remember any of this, but I won't. Quotes from Ellen G. White, volume A Lonely Years, 1876 to 1891, by author L. White, page 383. <clears throat> Since Ellen White would be uh, surrounded by Masons, they would help her continue the Masons' agenda to pull corrupt the gospel of grace by Gnostic law-keeping. Test the truth. And that's what they do, and that's what they practice. For as many are of the works of the law under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of law to them to do them. Galatians 3.10 Hmm. That's what they're using? Or what? Or is it least? <clears throat> so they got the ship. So here, this is probably what... Uh, while James and son Edson White would be proven to be participating, practicing Masons. One of Ellen White's greatest duplicitous acts of deception that to this day is still accepted as proof that Ellen White is a prophet of God would take place in Australia. And that woman got around. For being a nobody, she sure got around. Hey, I'm a nobody. I know what it's like to think. You're a nobody. You don't go around. You don't get around. You don't do nothing. <laughs> you get stuck in the same place. you got to make the most of it. Okay. Uh, Ellen and her, her son, William Willie White, would set sail to Australia from San Francisco in November 1891 on the streamer of the SS Almada. The SS Almada. Yes, it is. Was she doing some work for the Secret Service, was she? Almost one month of the travel to sea, she and her son, along with their three literary assistants, arrived at Sydney Harbor in September 8, 1891. Quite a well, she's lucky. Source uh, consulted uh, Ellen White, Women of Vision. 
Woman of Vision, page 276. The following years, the account of, of Ellen White converting an Australian man named N.D. Falkhead would come to be the apologetic response the hierarchy of the Seventh-day Adventists would use to claim that Ellen White was opposed to, quote, secret societies and to, quote, Freemasonry. Boy, look at that guy. He is a Knights of Malta. They converted a Knights of Malta, did they? Ha, 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 ha. No, they didn't. And once again, Knights of Malta, what are they really? They're practitioners of Johannism or Medin. Medini, well, how do you pronounce this? Mandean. Uh, Mandean, the Mandean ancient Gnostic sect of Iraq. Mandeanism. Yeah, she was converting them, all right. Mandeanism. <clears throat> that man had too much to lose by giving that up. On uh, December 8, 13, 1892, a board meeting was called and Will William White would say that N.D. Falkhead quote mother wishes to see you before you leave end of quote the meeting was supposedly set to confront N.D. Falcon on his quote losing out spiritually end of quote and giving his full time work to the publishing house of the SDA in Australia Believe his, his Prophets, Chapter 8, page 127. It takes a lot of time to do something like this. It does. I can't talk to you, edifying others. Even if it wasn't your original research, just the fact to find the research and then to quote it, it takes time. I know how much it takes time, and if you're busy like I am, it's just a there. Uh Alan White would uh pseudo would pseudo prophecy prophesy quote on certain lodge meetings that he folk had, had been attending and of what he had said in those meetings in the quote. Mm-hmm. Now, how in the heck would she know it was being said in those meetings? How would anybody, if you're an outsider, know what the heck was going on in those meetings? Alan's son and husband, being Masons themselves, would give the information to Alan White. She would write it down on page fifty on fifty page on in a fifty page letter. She read that day and D. Falcon describing the ritual ceremonies. In it she would describe and I know so firsthand from my experiences that I remember mission near in the mission and have a mission president knew what was going on and he was trying to buffalo me that he was for the spirit of God when really he was a missionary, a fellow missionary that told on me about what I was doing. I met my ex-wife on my mission. <laughs> I decided to choose her out of finishing my mission. I had one month left to have my mission. Well, and in some ways, it was one of all part of my journey. Quote, the, where he had sat, in a quote, lodge seating, Falcon had sat in as head of the lodge, the kind of seat on which 
he had said, and quote, she knew how the lodge was designed. <clears throat> I know this is tedious and you have to endure it, but if you're willing to, you're going to find information that you never really spend enough time to actually watch or read. Quote, the position that he occupied in the lodge, end quote, she would know that based on her husband and other, and other Mason leaders, that John Norton Longs Loth Lathborough and or Edison White all being Freemason leaders in the SBA movement. And the attitude that he manifested the transacting it business for he, he was one of its top level men, believe his prophecy, chapter eight, page one twenty eight. Peripheral explanation added. Continued from belief, continuing from believe his prophets. Always oh, believe his prophets. is not a prophecy. Yeah, but he's all standing there and in his nights of molten down. You don't get that way. Quote in the course of her description of what he had done and said and the position that he had occupied, she gave a sign with her hand and said, the angel gave me this message for you, but I cannot relate all that was given to me. No man smells so much of what the Mormon leadership does. Man, lying bastards, they do. They manipulate you to the core. She topped, quote, why, Sister White, he said, did you know what you have done, end quote? She was not aware what she had done, anything unusual. Then he told her that she had given a secret sign that is known only to Masons, and I quote. Of course she did, because she's a Freemason. She's a woman Mason, right? It was part of the, whatever that is. I don't know if it was exactly an Eastern star or that the mother version of it, but you don't go around doing those hand signs. Unless you're playing games with people. You know, that's what she did. She looks an awful lot. It's probably an awful lot like some kind of somebody with Down syndrome or something. Like this with the use. Quote, she went on a little longer and told him that he had heard, she had heard him addressed as, quote, worshipful master, end of quote, and other names and titles that of that nature. She talked of Freemasonry and the impossibility of a man being a Freemason in such an event as at the same time. Once more, she made a certain movement that she had said her tending angel had made to her. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Once we get down with this little particular uh, topic, we'll move on a little bit more. have got lots to go here. This is going to be a long, at least a couple part series. And I'm getting tired of them doing this for now for an hour and 
30 minutes or more. Again, Mr. Faulkner was startled and turned deathly pale. Quote, Sister White, do you know what you have done? No woman knows that. No woman is ever allowed to hear or see what is going on in those meetings. And yet you have described a particular meeting in which I took very important part, and you have told not only what I said, but what I did. Ooh. She was special. Like my mission president. Or my, uh, although I had like turd brains that manipulated me in my mind. Ellen White would claim that her attending angel, and the quote, this sounds just like what my mission president said to me, revealed Knights Templar hand signs she showed in the Falkman. I told her that she had given me a sign of a Knights Templar, said the Falkner, Falkhead. Not Faulkner, Falkhead. Gentleman <clears throat> G. White, Volume 4, Australian Years, 1891 to 90, by author L. White, page 52, and the Falkhead Letter, October 5th, 1908. Andy Falkhead would claim that the Lord had spoken to him through Ellen White revelation of this secret society activity. Yeah, sure it did. And he would later see that as complete barrication, that he would resign from all lodges. Signing and giving approval to A.G. Daniels the day after to mail his resignation. All oh, those resignation letters, they're cover, very important cover. And he ended up becoming a Knight's Malta. You know, just leave the Knight's Malta. Falkhead would claim to have received option, op, op, opinion to his, received opinion to his, uh, or opposition to his lodge resignation. So he had to serve out his term of office another nine months, but he had to take a firm position and stood by it. Ellen White wrote encouraging letters in support of his stand. He was victorious at last. Got to prepare you. Got to do all the working in there. Uh, machinations, right? Work out those machinations. With the the expiration of his term uh, as officer of several of his lodges, the complete victory was won, and Mr. Falkhead was able on September 18, 1893, to write to Ellen White and her son, Dear Brother and Sister White, it gives me much pleasure to tell you that my term of office as master of the Masonic Lodge expired last month, and I, uh, I feel to thank I, I feel to thank God for it. While he's standing there in his Knights of Malta gown, um, whatever they call that, cape, like 
Batman. I heard sort of something about Rush. Somebody's going with that Russian bids. That guy, I guess, got knocked off again, and he's part of some the Russian secret society or secret service. I wouldn't be surprised. Not only is this story a, a fictitious lie, but is verifiable proof is here. As we're staring at this picture of him in a nice Malta. Okay, a photo dated in uh, 1896 by the State Library of Victoria not only reveals N.D. Falkhead did not leave Masonic affiliation in 1893, but, quote, complete victory, end quote, as Ellen White's grandson, author L. White, claimed, was continuation of perpetuating the deceptive lie of Ellen White being a prophet. <clears throat> We've got a photo of him here that they found. And him sitting around there. Well, who's this this Devonier fellow with his glasses and his uh, Freemasonic suit and tie and his bag of wind coming out both ends? Oh, there he is. There he is in the background. Just kind of hiding there, but not hiding there. Got, there he is, Ned. Andy. I don't know, it's Ned, N.D. Falkhead, standing in the back. The entitled prefects of the photo called Mason Group. Lord Brassy, governor of Victoria, would be front and center. His business supported, his business support would be crucial in giving standing and enhanced financial revenue the first SDA printing house in Australia called the Echo Publish, Publishing Group as, quote, the cleaner, I think that's cleaner, and a quote, an SDA magazine printed by Echo Publishing Company reported in October 1896. The company had been favored with the patronage of Lord Brassy, Governor of Victoria. There he is, the old Lord Brassy in his uh, apron, uh, trying to pretend that he's ex uh, hiding his his, uh, his phallic symbol, his penis, and the sunburst and that. <laughs> Good grief. I don't know the guy has some direction behind it. I don't know. According to the same SDA publication, N.D. Falkhead would be, quote, the treasurer, end of quote, of Echo Publishing Company during the same time in 1896 years with a photo, when the photo was taken. Mm -hmm. A lot of things to learn here, and I didn't, you know, Milton Raymond Hook is the Seventh-day Adventist uh, religious... Oh, I just lost that. I gotta go back to there. Hook. Captain Hook. There's, I have to really look at this, this is mug again. I don't want to. And then I won't get his mug again either. Mr. Uh, Lord Brassy. You know, that's our lives at best. That's what it is. Just an endless 
procession, one generation or another of hot air and coming out of both ends. And um, we're supposed to just... Um, I don't know, man. We're a weird group. We're a weird bunch, aren't we? This world, humanity. Milton Raymond Hook is a Sunday Adventist religious educator, author, and church historian. Hey! Mr. Hulkhead, Knights of Malta, and Grandmaster. Of course he would be at the Freemasonic Lodge. The letter of Aussie Colonel's case studies from E.G. White Letters by Milton Hook. We read... Oh, boy, that was back then. Well, we got the truth now. We talk about the Jesuits and we talk about the papacy being the image of the bees. So, gosh, we have to be the true church. And we tell everybody that they got to keep the Sabbath, even though anybody's really done any serious research on the Sabbath and find that it has nothing to do with the Saturday or Sunday. What was based on the lunar, solar, lunar, solar calendar? And, of course, it would be logically because the people lived in a desert. So what were you going to base your calendar on, folks? The Gregorian calendar? Is that what you're going to do? No. You wouldn't do that, would you? Another logical fallacy concerning the Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, how they lie about so many things. They say that the, the, the appearing, at first it was the mortal wound, and then it was a appearing, appearing mortal wound that happened in 1798, or is it 89, or is it 97? I never can quite figure it out. You hear all sorts of dates. When, of course, all it was was a coup d'etat, a changing of the guard, something that's happened to the papacy for many, 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 many centuries, its existence, because it is a political organization and a political office. And the ultimate for that, because it is uh, Caesar. If you want to be Caesar of Rome, the Roman Empire, you're going to be the papacy, you're going to be the papacy, and you're going to be the Pope. And of course, now we know that with that coup d'etat, that the new Pope would be down the road a true leader would end up being the black pope. If not, it always has been, because that yin and yang, the black and white symbology that you see in that circle, it's not been around for a long time. I really try to blame it on the, it's the Chinese. In truth, that symbol will be found in Rome long before the Chinese ever saw it. Isn't that interesting? But you can't make up all that stuff, like the art of war, and then it came from China and all that. You just got to lie about everything. Every darn thing you gotta lie about. So I think I've had enough. <clears throat> How important is this issue? To you it might not be very important, but to me it's a very important issue. Because what this demonstrates once again is that from at the get go, one religious organization after another Started, if not if it if it wasn't infiltrated, it started by 
the tool, the useful tool, Freemasonry, uh, controlled by the Jesuits. That's just the way it is, folks. So, anyways, it's been uh, quite a bit of time here. I think I'm going to, I might do another episode tomorrow night. I know I was supposed to do something else, but I feel this is very important, especially the fact that I shared Walter Vieves and his explanation of Art of War, which I find is very good, but his stance on the Sabbath and on, on being a, uh, an SDA and how they use this these truths. Oh, guess who you're here. Well, if you're here and if you want, I can continue. I just need to take a little break. I've been fascinated. You missed, if this is you, Andrew, I don't know, but if you, um, you've missed a good one so far because it's more than just being Masons. More than just being Masons. We're just getting warmed up and started here. So uh, I can continue, but I need to uh, take a little bit of a break. So either be a couple of minutes of quiet. This is a time when I wish, hi, Andrew. Yeah, we can keep going on this if you want. You missed the fascinating truth about uh, the papacy and the Knights of Malta and how uh, the true religion, uh, not only is Gnostic, but it comes from the Medeans. <laughs> Iraq, it's what we know as Babylon. So, uh, of course, we knew this Babylonian, but how... Explain it. So. But uh, I'm kind of busy. Been a busy day being a, a father and all that. So, I don't know. I see there's too many of my uh, brothers who, uh, in Christ who, who believe in Jesus Christ but then get caught up in the Sunday Adventist movement. It really has to be addressed again. Because I brought up, uh, you know, Walter Vieth, I know people will automatically, uh, you know, what they automatically do is they, they want to listen, they'll listen to the whole series because the first, you know, three, yeah, there's a minimal amount of something Adventist propaganda. But that's how it's a bait switch technique that they always use to evangelize and to uh, proselytize new converts into the Something Adventist Church. They bring up stuff about Rome, the Jesuits. Oh, great explanation of the of um, the, the art of war, and the bam, they try to get you into this legalism. You know, I makes me wonder about Walter Reeve. A man who's so intelligent, yet he's blinded by his own faith, his own sect, his own uh, belief system that makes you wonder. And then if you look at the how the Jesuits work, that they would even use something like something Adventist as a way of a trap, once again, which I'm totally convinced to use as a trap, for those who come to realize about the Jesuits and um, about Rome, that turn into their religion is about Rome and the Jesuits. And then next thing you know, they're uh, Sabbath keepers, forget, and they're under the law. Which we see over and over. If anybody does any serious research, knows that it has nothing to do with the Sabbath of the Old Testament. The time of Christ can't even have nothing to do with the Gregorian calendar. 
these people lived in the desert. They're desert dwellers. They weren't using the calendar of Rome. They're using the calendar of the desert. And obviously it would be that if you lived in a desert, the best time to look up in the sky would not be in the day in the blazing sun, but it would be at night. That your calendar would be based on the the uh, lunar solar calendar more than you would be on the uh, just strictly solar calendar, if you will, the Gregorian calendar. So, but that's why it's so important to step back, not join anything, but learn and let and learn. You know, like we like to believe that it's the spirit of God. I think that most of the time, well, sometimes it is. Most of the time, I'd like it to be. But, you know, there's times when my ego, my pride gets in the way, uh, et cetera, and I go down a path that's not true, and I have to be uh, uh, corrected. And unfortunately, there's not too many people in my life that can do that correcting. <laughs> because they're believing lies and deceptions just like me, and so takes this time and research and to compare things, you know, so. So we're going to, dis- not only are we going to discover, right now that's what we're discovering is right now, the, uh, you know, the, the, the photo evidence and explanation of these Freemasonic symbol- symbology and how it was, you know, starting with William Miller, a Freemason, and a pretend Christian, like so many others are. They have a role to play, and that is to, I feel in it, the day is to intercept you, like a football, like a football, intercepting a pass to the wide receiver, right? Yeah, uh, the whole idea there is to intercept the pass, uh, you know, as it's being thrown to the receiver, right? And that's the same idea with uh, these organized religions. Uh, instead of the mediator, our mediator being our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have a pastor, we have an organization, we have a religious group that ends up being that. So. And so we get caught up in their institutions and their lives and their deceptions. And most of those people that are doing it are doing it out of good intent. Really, I believe. I don't think it's because they're just terrible, terrible, evil people. I think it's just they're deceived. Deception is very deep, isn't it? So I wanted to do, like, you probably didn't hear that. I brought up earlier that arrows and the magic and magic in the Renaissance, but it's a very Gnostic book. It's extremely Gnostic. I don't know if I want to deal with it. And uh, without really tearing it apart. And, and it required learning a lot of Latin along the way. So I don't know. How much do I want to do that? I think this is a much more important issue at this moment. I really do believe that FDM has a very very uh, seductive and deceptive movement. They did a great job of tunneling the the reformers' creeds of the past, uh, which we used to be in exposing the biblical historical antichrist, the Rome papacy, 
and handing it over to and funneling it into this Seventh-day Adventist where if you find out the truth about that then you end up being under the bondage of legalism and denying what Christ did for us which is freed us from all that that he is our new covenant. He is our uh, our Sabbath, and that uh, we don't. There's no day in a week. I think he knew what was going to happen. He already knew in the future. I don't think I already know. I believe it. At least I believe that he knew what was going to happen. That this this there'd be confusion of times and dates and seasons and etc. and all that. And that he just, just believe in me. Just have abiding faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in me. <laughs> I believe in what I say. Who I am. That will be sufficient. That will be enough. And with the Spirit of Christ transform you to His like you. No, praise of Him, but in His own glory. And yeah, I find a lot of us are very flawed that are His followers, His true followers. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It just means that it is. We're immense. We're sin, sinful by nature. So, anyways, let's see where we're at here. Are you still here? If you're still here, I'll continue for a little while. Yes, send any posts uh, on Sunday because there has been a cover-up protecting them. You're right about that, Walter V. Also, Veith is a very deceptive person. He's very brilliant. I see my, my I consider it, I don't know, for some reason, Johnny's not, he says he's going to call me, he doesn't call me. He's talking to Walter, not Walter Veith, but the Walter, you know, Grant is unexposed. But he won't return, he doesn't, I don't know. Something's not right about Johnny either, man. He compares himself, Johnny compares himself to Walter Veith. You know, there's only two people who are telling the truth with him and Walter Veith now. I'm like, oh my gosh, how does this happen? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Just because you write a book doesn't mean you get it all figured out. I'm so glad I never wrote a book because if I did, I would have to change 90% of it, like I said earlier in the show. <laughs> I would. Oh, how I can really... So, anyways, this is in 1889, Nathaniel Lockhead became the treasurer of the company and continued in the position for a good many years. Lockhead apparently reduced his attendance and membership to some Masonic orders quite drastically, but did not cut himself completely. Masonic records show that he. He, that he resigned from the United Grand Lodge in June of 1894, but was reaffiliated in 1896. He still maintained a friendly business context, which brought a steady flow of non-denominational printing work. He continued employment with the publishing company until 1914. In 1923, while waiting for a train to take him home one evening, he collapsed and died. 
in a malarian malarian I don't know what that is Malliard Malliard Station Platform Services were held at both the Windsor and Warburton churches and the Freemasons conducted the gravesite ceremony. What's a Mason? Always a Mason, huh? Doesn't sound like a guy who quits Freemasonry. <clears throat> Letters to Aussie colonels, etc. Whatever that is. In 1874, James and Ellen White would create this lithograph that would amalgamate a Masonic symbolism with the, quote, way of life, end quote, SDA, SDA doctrine. Of course, this is the very famous photograph that every, anybody's done any little bit of research knows. And great controversy uh, lithograph with the all-seeing eye in the middle of the tree with its one, two, three, four, uh, nine branches. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten branches of Christ, of course, on the crucifix, the crucifix, excuse me, and, um, you don't have that all seeing eye thing there unless you know something. Of course, it's been very prevalent in the American history for a very long time. And, of course, when we look at the uh, Western Europe, has been there hundreds, if not thousands of years longer. So the symbolism of this lithograph combining the all-seeing eye of masonry with the ten-branch tree in which the Ten Commandments hang would facilitate masonry's desire to rebuild the Jewish temple. But converting Christians to a form of seven-day Adventist Christianity that would facilitate synthesizing the third temple need for the, uh, for the Decalogue worship. And this is true. You, saw, you see that uh, all these different sects and they branched out of the United States for fundamental in this whole uh, dispensational futurism, even Seventh-day Adventists is fundamentally part of it, even though they deny it and they will re refute it. Irony of ironies. Nowhere in the Holy Bible is God described as and quote all C and I end quote singular. I remember somebody trying to tell me that, and it turned out not to be the case. Rather, we are told that God sees all with His eyes plural and declare his omnipresent omnipotence and making him omnipotent. <clears throat> I understand where Walter Beef is at. It's a hard thing to let go of your, your, your religion and this fall Christ because you will be in a position like the rest of us. All the all the all-seeing eye originates from Egyptian hieroglyphics and is heavily used in Masonic and mystery school religions. Of course, we learned earlier that that includes and is Roman Catholicism and the Jesuits. Uh, James and Ellen White use use of this all-seeing eye, and the lithograph would be reflected in her writings. 
It's very symbolic. If you think about it, you've got the all-seeing eye that is used by the Jesuit, Jesuit order, which is what we know is the Roman Catholic order. And right there in the middle of the Ten Commandments, so symbolic of... Uh, then he has the, them hanging off the branches, and, and then Christ there and the, uh, on the crucifix, and so symbolic of the burden of these, and the literal first spiritual hanging of your soul. <laughs> I guess it all depends on where you're at in life to see where you see it. Uh, quote, go to him with your soul all stained as it is like the psalmist and throw it, its chambers open to the all-seeing eye. Steps to Christ by Ellen G. White. God's all-seeing eye notes the defects of all and the ruling passion of each. And a quote, Council for the Church by Ellen G. White, page 177. So God's all-seeing eye, once she brings up notes, the defects of all and the ruling passion of each. Okay, whatever. She does bring up the all-seeing eye again, though. You and I have never heard growing up. A quote, once again, what a change would be seen if all who are in responsible positions would realize that they are working under the eye of an all-seeing God, AI. Once again, from uh, the Testimonies from the Church, Volumes 8, Volume 8, by Ellen G. White, page 168. It's very disturbing lithograph. I, I don't like it. Um, I don't like, you know, all the uh, idolatry in it. I don't like the imagery. I don't like any of it. Woman, angels in it. Christ on the cross like he is. Quote, God tended them and his all-seeing eye was upon them. <laughs> Once again, by Alan G. White from Testimonies of the Church, Volume 1, page 19. Somebody really was doctorating this country about an all-seeing eye back then, huh? Uh, once again, Testimonies from the Church, Volume 1, Alan G. White, uh, for 68, nothing is hid from the all-seeing eye of him who with whom we have to do. Alan would praise the all the great architect as Freemasonry's name of God. Quote, the great architect has formed and fashioned the, the senses of nature that they may have an important bearing upon man's intellectual and moral character. Our High Calling by Alan G. White, page 252. The Great Architect, very, very Freemasonic. 
Thank you, Helen G. White, for exposing who you are. Walter Feith won't tell you about this, now will he? <laughs> because he's in love with the praise of man and his religion, unfortunately. A brilliant man that he is. Quote, God, the great architect, once again, has built this lofty mountains, these lofty mountains, and their influence upon climate is a blessing on our world. Once again, from our high calling from Alan G. White, page 258. Calling him the great architect again. Now, the all CNI and the great architects clearly was influenced by Freemasonry. And she's using the Freemasonic hand signs. And it's fascinating how photography and, and just a few things from the past. You can't think of photography in the past that well. I guess you could. I guess it digital or CGI enhancement, but we have enough documentation support to know that this is legit. Uh, I wonder if we'll get to the point of talking about this the, the graves. Further examination of her 1874 lithograph, we notice the pyramidal structure of the New Jerusalem descending. Oh, yes, we do in the back, don't we? That will eventually be behind the eye. And with this legalism, you see, they're going to do a form of legalism with this a new world religion. There will be a law. And this is an instrumental part of the Seventh-day Adventist's role in all this, is ingraining, once again, into our mind the importance of the law, the law of the Old Testament, because that's what we'll be under again with their system. Denying Christ and what he did for us and to the Holy Spirit. Let's examine her doctrine concerning the pyramidal New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem came straight out of where? Oh, yeah, that would be London, right? Isn't that uh, the New Jerusalem, the British Zionism? Her own part to it and uh, uh, contributing to it. The first day of Jewish week is Greek Gregorian calendar Sunday. <clears throat> now, now we're going to go back to this. I know nobody wants to hear this or care about it, but we're going to deal with it anyways. I can find it. Uh, and find others. I got so much stuff here. Okay. Now, back to the uh, research that was not authentically uh, or say David Nikeo, but from others before him who've done this research, when we look at the, once again, the Sabbath was changed to Sunday, the falling away, a second time of the two, study proves that Sunday is not the biblical Sunday, a Sabbath day, uh, neither is Saturday. Once again, the reason that Saturday and Sunday are wrong is because they are based on the solar Roman Gregorian calendar. This is what she's basing on. This is a woman who was inspired by God, hardly. The biblical calendar is a lunar solar, where the sun defines the years and days, and the moon defines the months and the weekly Sabbaths. The Sabbath, uh, Saturday Sabbath followers correctly point out that Emperor Constantine changed the Sabbath to Sunday. 
in the 4th century, and the Roman Catholic Church claims the authority to dictate a Sunday, Lord's Day, but they fail to understand that Constantine did not change it from Saturday to Sunday, as the Jews and the Christians did not observe it on Saturday. What he did was forbid Jews and early church from following the lunar calendar, lunar solar calendar, which resets the calendar each month based on a 29 and a half day lunar cycle, which caused the day and the Sabbath was observed to change in every month. Constantine forced the observers of the solar-based calendar, and don't get me wrong here, if folks, I'm not saying they were supposed to observe this particular Sabbath, our Lord saved Jesus Christ done away with all this stuff. Praise him. The burden of it all. Constantine forced them to observe solar-based calendar, which featured a repeating cycle of seven days and a subject to death, or to be subject to death in 358 A.D. Sanhedrin Patriarch Hello, that's H-I-L-L-E-L-L, the second compromised with Rome when he... Um, provided a mathematical-based calendar that would harmonize with the Roman sun-based calendar while appearing to still be based on the lunar-solar biblical roots. In order to reduce their persecution by Rome, the Jews exchanged the biblical lunar Sabbath for the... Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying the Jews right now. The Jews exchanged the biblical solar Sabbath for the uh, popularized... And by the way, this is 358... A.D., these are the people who rejected our Lord and Savior, therefore we had no value in what they have to say, except for a historical information. Uh, the, Jesuit, excuse me, the Jews exchanged the biblical soul, lunar Sabbath for the popularized Roman unbroken cycle of seven days a week. This caused their Sabbath to be out of sync with the new moons and the holy appointed feast days. Since then, the Jewish leaders have developed the, quote, rules of postponement, end quote, to make sure that the follow, while following the Roman calendar, that certain holidays are not adjacent to the Saturday Sabbath, etc., blah, blah, blah. Anyways, going back to this, we find out that, once again, we're going back to now to... <clears throat> What we're reading here from uh, edifying others, the Seventh-day Abomination. The first day of the Jewish week is the Greek Gregorian calendar. Right? Christians worship the Lord Jesus Christ on the Resurrection Sunday since the scripture is clear Christian rose Christ on a Sunday. Now, when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, uh, Mark 16, 9. This is a simple I have contention with because I don't think we really know for a fact because we don't have enough historical data to know what were they operating on at that point. Was the Gregorian calendar, we know it was changed after the fact. 358 days, uh, 358 years after, or not even that, it was uh, 320-something or 19-something years after the fact our Lord and Savior uh, died on the cross and rose and was resurrected. So we don't really know what day of the week it was. So if you want to believe it's Saturday, that's fine, but it's not Selvitic, and if we're really intellectually honest, we don't have enough information to make 
a clear argument one way or the other. If it really was, which logically would be that they operated on the lunar solar calendar, that would still apply back then. So now that negates everything. We, we know what the problem is we're not to be in love with genealogy and dates and times and all that kind of thing. We're supposed to be in love with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be. So here is the hypocrisy going on here. The Antichrist revealed free book uh, one uh, a six six Pope M M Saturday's true Lord's Day Sunday will be enforced as the mark of the beast. Now this is of course SDA propaganda that's being enforced by the Jesuits and this uh, Romish deception to get people to buy into. I would not even be surprised in the day that it doesn't end up being. In the new religion, a Sunday worship, it will be a Saturday. <laughs> I would not be surprised. We just don't know what the, their goal plan is in the end. Diet of, and food, Ellen G. White. Let no man therefore judge you on meats or drinks. Ellen G. White, veget, uh, vegetarian law. Or in respect of holy days or in new moons or the Sabbath, Colossians 2.16. Once again, in respect of holy days or new moons or Sabbaths, because you know, in the end of the day, we don't know what we're doing at this point. And you got to remember, that's 2,000 years. That's a long time for Satan and his minions to screw up with things. Jesus made it simple for us in the mercy of our, of our Heavenly Father, our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, is by abiding faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved. It's not by a day of the week, people. Why won't you? Believe in what Jesus says. Why won't you read the New Testament and believe in it? What's wrong with being a New Testament fundamentalistic, fundamental uh, mentalist Christian? What's wrong with that? I, I tell you what's wrong with that. It's going to isolate you in big ways. Because <laughs> people don't really want it. It's just too simple. Uh, the intruding, intruding into those things which she, or he, uh, has not seen vainly puffed up. Okay, sorry, sorry, he's saying so. Intruding into those things which, and again, parentheses, she, S, he, she, has not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Colossians 2, 18. <clears throat> So let's see where we have here now. For the law of the scripture, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 2. Well, there you go. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them, but not, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Galatians, Galatians uh, uh, 3. And 
I think people just so won't. We really, uh, man, are we blind. Uh, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Romans 8, 3, 4. Who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I always wondered about that, about uh, Walter Feith, why he always, you know, he felt like you learned something, but he always felt like you, when you listen to him, you feel like you're being, uh, it's like, ah, ha, ha, like Inspector Crusoe, but the, that heavy burden that comes along with following Walter Feith and the, and, and, and the stuff the evidence is because they, um, oh my goodness, what we got here, Ellen White, number 17. What the heck? All those Freemasons, uh, Elder R.F. Anderson, and another, all these guys in their Freemasonic poses. Uh, John Nevins Anderson. Let me see about this character. John Nevin Anderson, Parish, Maine, USA. Uh, looks like he died um, in 1883. Founder of the editor, Les Sign D. Temple. Edition Andrews. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's a big giant obelisk for his tombstone. Giant penis stretching to the sky. Before we begin under to understand Ellen G. White's doctrine concerning her new Jerusalem, it is important to see what ancient Egyptian believed. Egyptians believe concerning the constellations of Orion. The following segment will give an insight into what the esoteric mystery schools and the New Age cults believe in Orion mythology. <clears throat> wow. Interesting how it was all following the bearers of the exposure of the uh, anti Antichrist, but turned out being this uh, religion, the, the, the Sphinx. The Sphinx, the Sphinx. Alan would say the same. The Sphinx, the Sphinx. So this is talking about here is talking about the uh, the, the pyramid of Giza and the Sphinx and how how this you know the light tunnel that this reflection of uh, Orion oh God place for place to come from. Uh, 
Uh, heavenly consulates, yeah. Trying to build heaven on earth, the Egyptians were. Draconis, oh, the dragon. Sorry about this kind of cryptic. Oh my goodness. So interesting that though the pyramid with his light shafts, one's pointing to Draconin or the dragon Satan, the other one pointing to Orion were supposedly our Heavenly Father is supposed to be. Uh it says here, likewise New World Order architecture facilitates the Egyptian Babylonian Gnostic designs of end time mystery Babylon construction for the Antichrist appearance. And so you see all these many buildings like the new One World Trade Center that's a giant obelisk along with his companion obelisk. You have other buildings throughout the world, uh, etc. The buildings that they build and align their uh, Orion Pyramid structures for the satanic Gnostic dualistic doctrine as above, so below. A very good point that Edify and others brought out, too, about this whole thing about they want to wipe out and they're going to kill all of us. Well, they have the technology, and they had it for a long time, and have they done it? No, they're not doing it. They're not going to do it the way everyone's saying they're going to do it. They're operating under a this Gnostic, dualistic doctrine, as above so below. So they do good and they do evil at the same time. So how things will happen will be much more different than what most Christians are actually saying it will happen. Why is it so dangerous as Christians to be predicting the future and those prophecy stuff? Because uh, we really don't understand how they're operating. We think we do, but we don't. Dramatization of William Miller preaching to Ellen White. The continuation of Adventism of founder William Miller false prophecy in 1844 synthesized with Ellen White's mystery Babylon pyramid doctrine of Orion mythology makes attempt to Adventist doctrine contribute to Gnostic strong delusion of end time mystery Babylon. So, as Alan White's lith- uh, lithograph portrays the pyramid structure coming from Orion uh, outer space, so she was influenced by a lot of this uh, paganism and of the uh, Egyptian mythology herself. And of course, a lot of folks in the, in, who are connected to the mystery schools, like a Freemasonry, would be. Alan would proclaim that the uh, advent. Jesus would be, quote, in Orion, and a quote in the following quotes. <clears throat> then they would look upon up through the open space of, in Orion, whence came the voice of God. Ellen G. White, Early Writings, page 41. Of course, she's a prophetess. Uh, Ellen G. White's Midnight Deliverance Marathona Devotional, September 28th, page 280. Quote, the atmosphere parted and rolled back 
then we could look up through the open space in Orion whence came the voice of God. Woman was heavily influenced by Freemasonry. What do you think? We know early earthly Jerusalem's Egyptian pyramid, Kabbalah's third temple connection in Judaism. The spirit of Antichrist is aligned with the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, Revelations uh, 11.8. And they've got a picture of these uh, Jews and these Christians and our own You've probably seen this before, Andrew, yourself, where they're doing the pyramidal structure. <laughs> and a lot of perversion going on. This is why it's so important for us as Christians to be doing what I'm doing and stop watching television, stop watching the football game. And I know if you got to work two jobs, still find the time to do this. God will find the time. I know what it's like. I know I don't have two jobs. I have struggled with MS, and I have a son that I have like this. I've had him since Sunday, and that's now we're talking 24-7, so it's a big job. Anyways, the Freemasonic influence of William Miller and the El- and later Ellen White's Orion Pyramid can be seen in this video during an SDA 10 10 conference, I guess that would be a 10 commandments conference, that documents her teaching of Jesus and the throne of God being in Orion outer space. <clears throat> well, there's nothing wrong. SDA, SDA scientist Robert V. Gentry and his son David admits that they think that the actual throne of God is in Orion, where Egyptian snake cults said, where Egyptian snake cults said Pharaoh would ascend after death. Also, they're promoting the heliocentric model of the world, which we know it's not the case. Anybody who's spent any time will realize that it's not the case. Interesting. Thank you, Andrew. They admit that the astrological symbol of Orion constellation is Nimrod, the hunter. Did I miss something here? I guess I missed something prior to that. Okay. Yeah, let's get to this point here. Okay. They admit that the astrological symbol of Orion constellation is Nimrod, the hunter, with his sword. Now they are telling SDAs that Jesus lives in Nimrod's constellation, Nimrod, the builder of the Tower of Babylon. This is Gnostic heresy, and you are right, my friend.
And they're talking as if... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So anyways, for your own edification, Andrew, I will send this to you. It's it's in the information box, but I'll send this to you for the future if you want to watch this. It's... it's, um, uh, It's... um, Minutes... It's like 40 minutes into it. And this all the, the nebulous constellation of Orion, and they're acting as if there's some kind of great experts with their computer-generated imagery. And yet, that's all it is, and it just blops and blurs and spills of paint and little dots and probably Christmas tree lights and etc. that they turn it all into a... It's the magic of space. Now, they know exactly what the constellation of Orion looks like at all... in a three-dimensional model is if that could possibly happen. The trapezium of the... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Of course it's animation. What it might look like. Oh, and there it is. There it is. And what they look like, it's a pyramid with the all-seeing eye on top of it. That they're calling that the, the New Jerusalem and what we call heaven. Did you catch what they said? New Jerusalem is in Orion. See it again? All-seeing eye on top of the pyramid. SDAs. Here is a close-up look at us. And if you look at a very colorful, uh, there it comes into show and to play a pyramid on a flat plane. Of the eye, you'll see an eye on top of it. The sun. That's our. That's where heaven is. Egyptian mystery Babylon serpent-inspired architecture. Coming straight out of the SDAs. They don't. They don't tell you the whole truth, do they? Woe unto the rebellious children, said says the Lord, who walks to go down. Who walks to go down to Egypt and to trust in the shadow of Egypt? Isaiah 30, verses 2, 1 and 2, excuse me. Satan would like to convince everyone that his snake pyramid cult demonic architecture has a part in God's salvation plan. And I'm sure he does with the. Uh, the statue of the pharaoh with the snake popping out of his head. Oh, we should really be paying attention to anything like that as far as following it. To believe that this is anything this is of God is out of your mind. Okay, here we go. The renowned researcher Tex Mars noted in his uh, monumental book, Mysterious Monuments Encyclopedia, uh, Search Illuminati Designs. We know the Illuminati is the Roman Empire, particularly the Jesuits and all their subordinate groups. Now, don't we? Of course, Tex Mars doesn't want to talk about that very much. He won't be able to sell books. Anyways, back to this, the Encyclopedia of Secret Illuminati Designs, Masonic Architecture, and Occult Places. Yes, Tex Mars has a lot to teach you. He really does. But he doesn't teach you the whole truth, and you have to... As a researcher, you have to challenge everything that somebody says, and if somebody's not teaching the truth, you challenge them. If they're interested in the truth, they'll 
be corrected. I'm going to move on to apologize. Adams Weishoff, the Illuminati. Of course, we know Adam Weishoff once again was a Jesuit. Although he might have been born a Jew, supposedly he was raised by the Jesuits. He was a Jesuit. He was taught in Jesuitical or canonical law. He knew everything about the mystery school that is Roman Catholicism. So anyway, so when we hear Illuminati once again, let's think about Rome. The Illuminati came from a fourth to renown, renew the architecture and faith of the old religion. This is a quote from uh, As Wise also. The Illuminati came forth to, re- oh no, this is uh, not As Wise also, but uh, text marks. The Illuminati came forth to renew the architecture and faith of the old religion with a Freemasonry growth spurt beginning the early 18th century. The West's fascination with uh, uh, pyramidology was sparked. Weishoff ordered of the Illuminati adopted the pyramid and the all-seeing eye as its logo. Obviously, Weishoff is very influential. Uh, Alan G. White, the prophetist of Satan. What are men following a woman anyways? I don't believe they're ever were following her. I think she was like a a Hawkins, a scapegoat. I don't think she was even half as brilliant as they made her out to be. I think they used her as a puppet to put all the blame on, didn't they? Uh-huh. What are men following this woman? They had no business following her, period. It's not even biblical. Prophetess. Oh, yes, and this prophetess, right? Most of them end up being nothing but trouble and Jezebel. So here we go. Quote The pyramid then became for then became for Illuminists, both in France and around the world, the premier symbol the premier symbol of their spiritual aspirations. It is today at every center of their doctrine, at the junction of the upper and lower kingdoms in the religion and theology of the Illuminati, the pyramid, is the throne and altar of Lucifer, spiritual and divine life. Divinely. So I don't know, Andrew, do you, are you feeling that this is a pretty convincing evidence so far? I mean, you haven't heard the first hour and a half of it, but kind of uh, some damning information we're re- revealing here, isn't it? Um, the mysterious, mysterious monument, page 427, quote, incorporated within its bowels of the body of the divine mistress, it, it is the pyramid, the womb of the mistress, which the sacred doctrine makes feasible the eventual birth of the son of Lucifer, Antichrist. Of course, we know right now the papacy, the Pope is the Antichrist, the son of perdition. And of course, Tex Mars is a futurist, so we've got to weigh out what he's saying. But it's important if you remove the Antichrist stuff, you'll, you know. Now, let's listen to Tex Mars explain what is found near the constellation of Orion. Of course, you will be able to listen to this if you want to yourself, Andrew. 
and number 43. Anyways, now he's talking about there is another son, a hidden son, which, by the way, just might be the case. I don't know. We've got to look at what the eclipses. And I was, you know, I was looking at the moon and the sun the other day with my son. We were, I was helping him, you know, he's riding his bike, training wheels, he's four, you know. So we went down to the park there, his big parking lot for him to ride his bike around and all that. And I was looking, and it must have been about man, five by 30 in the evening, and if, if I was looking almost directly south, and if we look at the clock, so the moon was like at 9, nine, nine o'clock, and the sun was like at 2, uh, somewhere around there, two, 2 o'clock, and I'm thinking to myself, the sun's in a full blaze there, and I look where the other sun, and the moon is half. Now I'm thinking to myself, there is no way that the, the sun is block the moon, the Earth is blocking the sun's rays on the moon. The moon should be full. Something's not right, which then asks the last question: What's causing the shadow on the moon? I don't know. It's hard to believe. People say, well, it's an optical, optical illusion. Well, I'm sorry I'm not buying into at the optical illusion, illusion argument. There's something going on with this. So he's talking about the far-off dog star or the, the black sun. But we know there's a cosmology from the Jesuits and from Rome and... And from Egypt, and the, the Babylon is all wrong. So he was talking about wherever you find pyramids, you'll find mass graves of human beings, including Egypt, which they don't like to talk about, but we also, they talk about a little bit, you know, about the uh, the temples in South America, but in their uh, uh, sacred heart sacrifices to Satan. But they never talk about where they put all those bodies. The mass graves around these 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 temples. Uh, you'll find this slang going on throughout the whole world, whether it's uh, China. Uh, um, so we're talking about the hierarchy, the uh, priests. We're talking about the pharaohs, their servants. Whenever they would die, all their servants would die with them. They'd all die. You'll find this in all these empires throughout the world. Universal behavior. Is that what they want to restore the, the the mystery schools and be able to do the same thing? You should see the pile of these bodies of the pharaoh is my goodness. Throughout history, satanic pyramid and architecture has inspired and in, in death cults to demand allegiance. The Antichrist also will demand death 
for those who will not worship his image and take the mark of Revelation 13. Of course, my stance on this is at this point is that the Antichrist is the papacy, is the Pope. And if we look at the behavior of what happened in Western Europe over those a thousand plus years and what happened to people who did not bow down to the Catholicism, the Babylonian religion that they practice, uh, well, they, they weren't able to, to buy or sell. And that is the image, and that is the mark. Well, they use chip technology. I don't know. One of the things I find a little bit disturbing about, uh, and I don't know if edifying others just wrote out of this, because this is 13, 2.13, but to wait for a future Antichrist when it's here is dispensational futurism and comes from the Jesuits is perpetuated by this all-seeing eye satanic cult system. The Antichrist is already here. Mystery Babylon and its love for the pyramid. And it is true that this whole Mystery Babylon system is all based on pyramidal structure. So he's talking about here in Meso, uh, Mesoamerica, Central and South America with their pyramids, again with the uh, thousands, probably more than that, that were sacrificed. With sacred heart worship. Ah, the pyramid of the magicians were the most sacred uh, pyramids in the world. Sorry about the delay here. I'm listening to this. I don't know. So he's talking about the ziggurats and the Mayan Aztec uh, priest class Indians and their sacred heart sacrifice, which is universal. You'll find it everywhere from Western Europe to Egypt to Babylon to China to uh, Central and South America. I imagine that giant city with the, the temples there and or is now St. Saint, Saint Louis. We're doing the same thing. <clears throat> Sorry about the delay here. So we have these platforms platforms on these ziggurats and these pyramids is because that's where they were doing their blood sacrifices, folks. To their one-eyed god of Iron, of Orion. The pyramids, this is all about the gates of the gods. Lord will not be will not pattern his holy city the new Jerusalem after its satanic architecture by his uh, hollowness and consecration he does everything contrary man's fallen uh, 
uh, kernel thoughts. So in other words, whatever we think is going to happen in God's way, it will be opposite. So kind of that one. Just give up on all of this predicting the future, how God's going to do things. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord, Isaiah 55, 8. Remember that, folks. So as you hear people predicting about the future, it's their own ego and their own pride doing it. God, if, you're, if we're basing on what the Lord has sorrow for us. If we believe in this in the scriptures, we believe in our Heavenly Father and we believe in the Godhead, we believe there is a God. And that He is all powerful and all knowing. And we know that we are not all powerful and all knowing. Therefore we'll never be able to protect His will, so give up on it. Our one more relief of burdenous legal not even legalism, it's just I don't know what is the form of something or other. What do they call that? That divination, some kind of predictive for the future. When we have no control over it, we have no control over our own little life, our own future, what will happen to us on a day to day and year to year basis. I had no idea I was going to be hit by MS six years ago and then I ended up having a son and to be in this position that I am. I had other plans. I can guarantee you that. But here I am. Heck, six years ago, I, you know, I, I, I had no idea I would even believe in the Word of God or in my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. I had no idea. Here I am. Or that I'd be doing this, talking to a screen. Fortunately, I have Andrew and a few others that show up once in a while. But in reality, I'm, you know, you know what I'm saying. Who would have predicted my circumstances? I... I didn't. I had other ideas. Revelation 4, 8. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. <clears throat> what the Lord says concerning the wicked, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Isaiah 31, 1. So this whole world is based on this pyramidal Orion satanic system, devil worshiping satanic snake worship thing. Why would the leaders of the SDA promote a pyramid new Jerusalem coming from Orion? They know what Alan White taught. And we don't want to talk about that when we're indoctrinating people. The star, the star Cyrus plays an important part in understanding Alan's Freemason hidden doctrine. So once again, symbols reveal and symbols conceal. That's why they're so important. So this is this whole uh, master plan that they have with these Freemason societies. What they use is the symbology is that, you know, the adepts, they know what the meaning, true meaning of the uh, of leadership 
at least for the adepts, uh, whether it's Masons or whatever, you know, the papacy, the Jesuits, they know the true meaning of these symbols. Whereas the underlings, the populace, the mass, the profane, they are told a different meaning. So when you look at Catholic religion, most people believe in underlings, the masses believe it's Christianity, which in reality is a Gnostic, it's a Gnostic, Medellin, a Babylonian cult that worships something completely different. So most people will never realize that. Let's see where we go. Where we go? So yeah. Anyways, so the, the esoteric meaning was true and original meaning understood by only a few and closely guarded by them. Now we're talking about once again this pyramid and the LCNI that Ellen G. Wright was using. Um, Ted N. C. Wilson, uh, um, SDA president, shaking hands masonically. Got a picture of that. And it's that's you know we know about him that he's like another leader of that. Uh, three levels elevated to worship the beast. The Lord gives the self righteous that deny the calling of Jesus Christ to die. And the Adamic nature over the strong reentronized delusion, which denies the only true Sabbath Savior rest. Satan's original lie of the Adamic moralistic self righteous, ye shall be as gods. Because connection to all this. Letter goes on to state, we'll see what this letter. In this letter written by SDA leader Dr. John Graz entitled Jerusalem Sunday Challenge, we should see what's going on here. It says this. The letter document no uh, letter documents how this the letter documents how SDA leadership was able to change the date at the first festival of the religious freedom in Jerusalem from Sunday to Saturday. Well, I don't know what he's talking about there. The letter goes on to state that the Jerusalem, the rabbis could not attend the, uh, on Saturday for reasons of keeping the Sabbath. When the Sabbath, SDA leadership pressed by pressured by making some phone calls to the Jewish rabbinical leaders, the event was changed from Sunday to Saturday. What is this all about? And of course, it's got the background here that the people and the rabbi all doing their pyramidal structure hand sign thing, the Illuminati uh, hand sign. Both parties were eager to keep, uh, to break their Sabbath keeping to have the ecumenical festival that be- can't become, to become sensitive to religious freedom issues. So, 
What is the point here? What are we getting at with this? Sorry for the pause. Religious freedom in the coming end time of the Antichrist implementation of the one world religion of perennial philosophy will not respect individual independent faith conviction. This is true, even though the Pope is saying you have you don't have a right to do that. You can't have uh, individual independent faith. You have to follow the church, obviously. Instead, coercive religious unity in coming new age Aquarius promoted by the emissary of Satan to unite the world under a one world leader prophesied by Holy Scripture. Dr. Graz is also Secretary General for the International Religious Liberty Association. Oh, is he? The big old... see about this our mission that they're doing their yoga and that here's an organization the head of the promoting new uh, age meditation to a uh, Maitreya Buddha statue I guess of Seventh-day Adventist huh? well you're okay I don't know if we're going to continue here very much longer Station here. Uh, SDA leadership has not kept itself from reaching out to ecumenical leaders in the past. I can't tell that's a Mormon or an SDA guy. Here, Bert B. Beach is reaching out to John Paul II, sharing the Masonic handshake over leadership of the SDA. Huh? Of course, we know that the Jesuits have taken over via Freemasons. By the way, very phrase it. They never took over. They, they controlled it from the get-go. There's no surprise here. They gave a po- the post of General Secretary for the Council and Interchurch Faith to a Freemason. So Freemason is a fundamental part of the room of the the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and why? Question being must be asked: Why our faithful leader, who's teaching us the truth about the Jesuits in Rome, not talking about the Seventh-day Adventists? That's because he's not one of our faithful leaders. We've learned a lot from uh, Mr. Heath, and we will probably learn more. But we have to be very careful in the dangerous territory we tread, whether it's Heath or whether it's um, Phelps, whether it's myself. Uh, we're all men, and we're all wrong about a lot of things. In particular, though, we see that the fact that the Phelps and Heath and others, their behavior, It's all contradictory. It doesn't make any sense. Even Johnny, you know, so I love him a lot, but man, the guy's playing tool. 
I loved Tool, too. At least I did before I was saved. And then I found out the Tool was some satanic band and singing all this... Uh, well, basically, Freemasonic New Age stuff. I mean, they're, they're, they're a bunch of Luciferians, a bunch of Satanists. Why would you listen to that? I don't understand that one. But I love him anyways, and he does have some good stuff, but he seems to be awful self-promoting. So, um, it's a very dangerous place to be, to be this. So, okay, the one eye horse leadership uh, on their website, every single one of these leaders on this website, uh, free, free, uh, the Assumptive Adventists have just their one eye showing. <laughs> Can it be any more blatant, folks? <laughs> hey, be one of us. Yeah, and then they got the old Jesuit on top there, and the symbols reveals and conceals, huh? Once again, symbolism reveals and conceals. Remember the Sylvester Spliss, first editor of the uh, Signs of the Times, who also wrote William Miller's biography. And we have the uh, obelisk there on both sides. And what do we have here? Bliss. With his Freemason obelisk. Uh, uh, some stone. Oh, and look at here. We got White. James White's Freemasonic obelisk tombstone. Oh, he wasn't one of them. That's a little common in those days, right? Maybe you hear that's what was common in those days. And it wasn't common in those days. You wanted to do is look around you, and everybody else would, didn't have one. And who else had the obelisk uh, tombstone? Oh, Ellen White. I know it's a very painful thing to accept. I do know because I've raised a Mormon and coming out of it and then getting involved and uh, so many other things like uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous or and hanging out with the the, the, the Adventist crew out there online and discovering that Rome's behind all this stuff. Uh, and to be to following them, then have to leave that again. I understand how painful it is to come walk away from religion, your group, your people. You want to belong to something. The people, this is the brutal reality. Either you belong to Jesus or you belong to the group. You make the decision because that's it. That's the bottom line. Either you belong to Jesus with all your faults and your frailties and all your your corrupted self or not. And you put him first. And you focus on him. You focus on his truth. You focus on him. I know it's going to sound very fundamentalist and very fanatical, but that's the reality. And no pastor's going to be able to teach you this thing because he's trapped in the system. He's trapped in the matrix. They have to come on over my people. And it's not just the Catholic Church. It's not. It's even the SDH. It's the Mormons. It's the... Um, it's all of them. It doesn't matter if the, the, the Philadelphia Church, the Church of Philadelphia, whatever they call it. You know, all these different things. You know what I mean? 
God, come on. I know it's a hard thing to say. It's a hard thing to, to request on you. I'm not saying that religions... Let me rephrase this. Only Christ's religion is good. Everything else is not of him. When Ellen White got her prophetic inspiration from Owen Russell Lomas Coasters, a Millerite, he would live in Canadian Iqua, Canadian Iqua, New York. I don't know how to pronounce it. The same place William Morgan was jailed and then captured and subsequently killed for revealing the secrets of Masonry. Masonic Millerite doctrine is still to this day the foundation out of which all other doctrines have been modified and revised that fit the Kirk Freemasonic Seventh-day Adventist eschatology. When Alan White got her prophetic inspiration, okay, uh, yeah, 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 did I just miss this? No, I, did, I just did that, didn't I? Okay, false doctrine of investigative judgment declares that Christ did not enter the holies of holies. That in the that's in in the Orion pyramid directly after his ascension into heaven. It was not until the false prophecy of 1844 that the advent of Jesus in Orion made his initial and made the initiates of Ellen and James White Sabbath doctrine the chosen few who could be worthy of interest into the holies of holies preparing the way for the Masonic Third Temple New Age all these just all these religions every single one that I've mentioned over and over again this is all they're designed for along with the apostate Baptists and everything else is all designed for this We must ask the question, is this what is happening in Orion Pyramid of Ellen White's Masonic-inspired New Jerusalem? The serpent-inspired architecture of New Jerusalem, where Christ could not, say, could not save until 1844 a false prophecy of William Miller's Masonic-inspired education, proven false and nullifying believing the New Testament living faith by bringing back Decalogue doctrines. So, yeah. Decalogue dark. Abiding in the doctrine of Christ by continual faith. Oops, I just lost that. This is very important. Abiding in the doctrine of Christ by continual faith makes the regen, the regenerate, regenerate complete in Him. 
2 John 1 9. The Lord Jesus Christ uses the personal pronoun my when referring to his doctrine distinct from the old covenant Masonic law. Amen to that. My sake. My sake. Luke 9, 24 and Mark 13, 9. For his sake. My works. Revelation 2, 26. My sheep. Luke 15, 6 and John 10, 15, 20, etc. My burial, Matthew 26, 12, and John 12, 17. My house, this is all about Jesus. The New Testament is all about Jesus. You New Testament Christians are all about Jesus. <clears throat> My body, just going through this, you know, I think he says, My flesh. My blood, oh, the blood, the blood. That's what we'll be talking about tomorrow night. We're going to remind each other about why it's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. My yoke, not that you have it for you. Uh, you don't know that, but it's always good to remind ourselves why we believe in Jesus Christ in the first place. My name, this is all about the New Testament. It's just over and over. The New Testament is all about Jesus Christ, if you haven't figured it out. It is the Lord's new covenant way, his life that was given, that made the law keepers of his day, the scribes and Pharisees, kill him. They could not see how the law was fulfilled totally in him, that they might cease from their carnal efforts and find their rest in him, by continual faith in him. And now we can look at it today with the pastors and the, the Jesuit priests and, and the bishops and the archbishops and the priestcraft. You realize what Jesus offered us. We don't need them. And they don't want you to know that. In fact, Jesus is calling us to come out of her. That means we don't follow the pastor. We don't follow the priest, and we don't follow their false religion. We follow Christ's religion. We put our faith and our effort in Him. But apparently, that's just not good enough. We all want to go right back into bondage. We all want to go right back into servitude and slavery of fellow men. And we worry if they're going to kill the flesh when we realize that is hardly our problem. It's quite tragic the more you think about it. So, I think this would be a good place to stop. Um, when the beast uh, takes over the global power, he will exalt himself as the highest moral truth into the worshiping of his image. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall come, not come, 
except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who is opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and is worshipped, so that he is God, sitting in the temple of God, and showing himself that he is God. Second Thessalonians 2, 3, 4. Now this is where the part where he gets into... Uh, uh, and I don't know if he realizes now he's getting sucked into the Gnostic deception himself because what we just read is the perfect description of the papacy and the Jesuit order. Therefore, we will stop here for now. I will listen to this and see what his take is. I do understand that the Gnostics want to build their Solomon Temple, their version of it. But would it really be where we think it's going to be? We don't know. It's Jerusalem, but seems to be an obsession for them. It seems to be an obsession for the uh, the man, the Danes, the Templars, the uh, Jesuits, except the Medicis, the ruling elites of this world. But it could, like I said, it seems to be their obsession. But it doesn't actually mean. Most again, we're talking about their their use of symbology and, and uh, esoteric knowledge, and how things, how they want you and I to see it, but really it's something different. The only time tell, and we shouldn't put our faith in whether or not they're going to put a third temple in Jerusalem, anyways. So, but I think the first hour of it does a very good job, especially you know documenting a little bit of the information, the visual proofs. Uh, words coming straight out from Ellen G. White and this whole thing about misunderstanding what Jesus actually gave us. What Jesus didn't give us a, 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 a religion, a man. He, he gave us his. He's our religion. He's our faith and our beliefs. And so. I know it's not very powerful. So. Anyways, we'll see where we have to know this. Bold emphasis is added. Please note that Mrs. Bright used the term vital force. Yeah, she did. She used a lot of Freemasonic terminology when you think of that. So her use of the all C and I the the singular all C and I in her writings, the pyramid and the saying that the heaven is the in Orion, the it's all very Egyptian and very Gnostic and very Luciferian. And it all just offers bondage. That's all it is. A day that's not even based on the actual calendar of the Old Testament. It's based on the Gregorian calendar. So, uh, what do you want, folks? You want to be that? You want to be that person? Go right ahead. If you think you're really all that great of a follower of Christ by a day of the week, you truly do not understand what our Lord and Savior did for you. He freed you from all that. Just put your faith in Him. I understand how challenging that is. It really is challenging. If we're honest, it is challenging. Because it goes against uh, our pride. It goes against our ego. It goes against our nature to think that we can somehow solve that which is our reality, which is that we're we are never going to be gods. We create we're the creature, and that's it. that's it. And we think that somehow, by following the burdensome 
rules and legalism of the Old Testament will save us. Well, this is all part of the new age, the new, the new religion, the new, the new Gnostic religion that we'll be under, where there will be laws, there will be this confinement, this uh, legalism that they will put on us eagerly. You see it now. What is what is this uh, satanic system? What does it do? It just it did nothing more than it wants nothing more to pass laws upon us, upon laws upon us. Look at all the amount of the number of laws that have been passed already since just in Obama's term. But he was anything special. He just signed a piece of paper. And he's the scapegoat. Not that he actually even made a decision on anything. Except whether he's going to go golfing or making a $40 million house and, and Hawaii, which I'm sure he didn't even make a decision on that either. He's just a puppet. So when we look at this whole reality of things and what the whole agenda was to begin with, now, yeah, here's a nice one. Thanks uh, 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 for sending this to the cult roots of uh, Seventh-day Adventism, the New Age marking of Ellen G. White. It's very important. It's very important to bring this up, and it's very important to expose Walter V's for not bringing it up. This man is not a lover of the truth in the way in the life. He's not a lover of the truth. If you're a lover of the truth, you're going to come out of this organized religions. You're going to come out of it. If you're a lover of the truth and you're in a, in a Baptist church and they're teaching dispensational futurism, you're going to come out of it. If you're a Roman Catholic and you realize how satanic the whole system is, you're going to come out of it. If you realize, oh my gosh, this Medina, we should like look into this. Uh, this Medina, this uh, uh, let's see, the Mandean, the members of the ancient Gnostic sect that extract of uh, of Iraq. This is you know this is you know we're talking about the history of Babylon. We're talking about the Babylonian religion and what. We learned early in the very beginning of this is that that's the esoteric knowledge, the Median, the Median religion, and the exoteric knowledge that you receive your exoteric religion is Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, fake Christianity, and how it's right in line with this religion that comes from, of all places, Iraq and Iran. I really believe that a big part of what their their agenda was when attacking Iraq and, uh, and certain uh, certain parts of Iran they want to is to erase history. That people won't be able to identify how false uh, Roman Catholicism is, what's real religion, and the ties that it has with uh, with the uh, Islam. Now maybe they created like. Uh, uh, Albert Revere said they created Islam. But we don't know that for sure. But they look an awful lot alike. And if we look at the past, and we look at, like, particularly these Johannism, and we realize, well, could they just be two branches of the same religion? Oh, it's always been that way. One form or the other. You, because we don't know enough about our history, could we be, be, be misled again? 
That's how it works. That's how the art of war works. See, uh, you, those who are at the top, the leadership have to always be there ahead of you, many steps ahead of you. So as you keep on going, going down this journey, figuring out all your worlds, how it really works, you have to keep on being uh, a part of your mind, being open for the reality that you might not know what the heck you're talking about again. Uh, that you've just been indoctrinated once again by a bunch of Jesuits and Freemasons to believe in something else than actually really is. I wonder if we could find some of this stuff. Uh, definition. Uh, maybe we'll just go this way. Get out the definition part and we'll go into maybe some history of them. Medians, because they and the Median ISIS, Median beliefs, Medians in America, Medians in Iraq and Iran. Let's see who these people are. Medians, um, Medians, Medianism, modern Mandaic. It's a Gnostic religion with strongly dualistic worldview. Now, once again, who else is dualistic with the yin and yang, the black and white pope? Uh, Knights Malta, very dualistic. Uh, all the things. So, adherents of the Mendians uh, revere Adam, Abel, Seth, Enos, Noah, Shem, Abraham, especially John the Baptist, who rejected Abraham but rejects Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. So this is a religion rejects. <laughs> well, so this is what the leadership actually believes in. And what they throw at us is that which they reject was Abraham, Moses, Jesus. The Aramaic Amanda means knowledge, as does the Greek gnosis. According to most scholars, Medeans migrated from southern Levant, Levant of Mesopotamia in the first century East, or CE and are pre-Arab, pre-Islamic origin. They are Semites, speaking a dialect of Eastern Ar- Aramaic knowledge known as Mandiac, Man- Maniac, huh? Maniac. That's where you get your head. Maniac. <laughs> they uh, they may well be related to the Nabateans, who were pagans, Aramaic-speaking indigenous pre-Arab and pre-Islamic inhabitants of southern Iraq, which we also know to be Babylon, don't we? I've been talking going on for three hours and 25 minutes, so I think we'll, we'll start next time. Maybe we'll do, do a little show on the Mandians, since you and I and most people. Hey, hey, let's see who's, who's here. Question to both guests, two or three, if you're willing to uh, uh, answer me. Have you heard... Have you heard of the Medeans? And be honest about it. 
Now, before you go, Mr. Uh, Andrew, answer my question. Have you heard of the Medeans and their influence on Roman Catholicism and Freemasonry? Have you heard about them? Because if you haven't heard about them, which I'm feeling that the majority of us, and I'm talking like 99% of us who do this kind of research, don't know about this. We need to talk about this, don't we? I think we do. We need to understand the truth. Because, you know, as we're up here, pick a big layer of the onion right here, folks. A big layer of it. So, all right, I have my work cut out for tomorrow. It was going to be preparation for my show with Visigoth, but this is pretty important stuff, and this stuff influences us more than we can imagine. Good gravy. So, I think it's a good time to go. So, thank you, um, Andrew and Guest 3, for showing up. Um, of course, I never advertise anything, but tomorrow night I'll be doing a show sometime around the same time. So, probably start around 9, and we'll talk about the Mandeans and how they have influenced your life immensely. And you didn't even know it. So, And if you did, you're one of the few people. So, all right. God bless.